Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Lime Succession. I'm your host, Lee. I am here and joined by my co-host, Spencer. Spencer, how you doing? Almost sad. I, I don't really process it Almost? This. You're not sad? I, I, I don't do sad. We've discussed this. I don't, I, don't, I don't have, you know, regular human feelings. But there's still a sense of loss that we just watched the finale of Succession. I'm unbelievably sad. This show fucking rules. It's a great show. Um, it stuck the landing. It's one of the few shows I've ever spoke to you about at length that you didn't start to hate at some point along the way. Um, I liked it better. I know you actually gained a little momentum. Um, I thought it, I I thought that the finale sucked the landing. I I really liked the finale, but I am going to be sad about the show not being here anymore. I love these characters as much as they suck. Um, I find them. (laughs) Can, Can we finally bury anyone's theory that these characters don't suck? It's like, I, I, no, I don't think so. I think I think there are some people, probably some people listening to this, who are walking around thinking Shiv won. I'm right. Shiv did the whole thing right. Yeah. She crushed it. Shiv had the opportunity to pick how she lost. She did not win. Yeah, that's that is the difference, right? She didn't pick the CEO. She picked who wasn't the CEO. But yeah, so we'll get all, into all of that and more. But yes, I am a little bit sad that the show is ending. I feel like it was a wonderfully quality television show. I just think. You know, I was getting a little wistful. I was thinking back to, you know, we didn't start following the show in season one. We caught up with it. And I remember trying to pitch you on the show. And I had a, a terribly hard time doing it. <laughs> this, this was back in the days when I could just say, dude, just watch it and you would do it. Nowadays, that shit's, uh, that's flown the coop. I you, can't do that you, anymore. You've played the card. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, and you watched it. And I, I just remember you telling me like, you think this is a comedy? And we had this whole, the whole funny moment. <laughs> Where you were like, this isn't a comedy. What are you talking about? And then as you this watched more, drama. as you watched more and more of it, you, you kind of got where I was coming from that it might be a comedy. But yeah, it was a, it was a fun show and I've, I liked it from jump. I, I actually watched it week one when it was starting on HBO and I followed it all the way through and I've, I've loved it. I thought it was a, a really well done show. What do you think? I, I, I think people are rightfully heralding this as being, you know, premier television as being. One of, if not the best shows it's on right now. And the, the the finales of this show, season by season, have always been great. Have always stuck the landing. Have always set a new high mark with respect to it. I feel like this isn't the same category. I mean, I will... It, it's it, it's almost hard to talk about in some ways just because it was so effectively emotionally manipulative for certain scenes. The degree that got me into the mindset of the characters. The degree that got me excited for them. Even though I knew they were destined to fail because it's succession. But even if they succeeded, there would just be a different opportunity to fail. It got me angry at characters and they made certain decisions. We'll get there here in a minute. It got me horrified when they start to make other decisions and do other acts. It was point by point incredibly successful. And succession is both succession. Like, this is... A distillation of the show. It's themes put to bear here, here in the finale. What else can you hope for for a proper season finale? Yeah, I agree with all of that. I will say that series finale. I feel like there was a lot of speculation who would win, who would, you know, and and ultimately, you know, the you know the idea of who wins, you know, like let's so I'm going to draw the parallel to Game of Thrones, but I would like people to if they if they're at all remotely possible, capable of doing this. To not jump to, I fucking hated the finale. I'm so angry. <laughs> Just fucking chill with Man, that. I'll that, try. That, I'll try. Chill with that fucking opinion. Like the point they were trying to deliver, and if it didn't work for you, great. But the point they were trying to deliver is that no one really wins. You know, the only way to win is to not play, right? And that's kind of what we got with this. Four I games. will also say that everything. So the thought I had when it ended was 
everything we thought about the three kids was right. Nothing, yep. we, everything was right. Shiv was yep. overconfident, full of herself, outsized opinion of her own abilities. Uh, always had a fallback plan. Severe lack of experience in this world that bit her. You know, Kendall, as soon as he gets comfortable, he's a fucking disaster. You need him, mm-hmm. you need him feeling like he's reaching up all the time Striving. because as soon as he feels like he's on top, he's a fucking mess. Roman, unstable, at, you know, can't, you know, can't rely on him. Um, complete, you know, just disaster of uh, mentally, like, right? Like everything constantly always spinning for the guy and unable to sort of stay in a stable, stable position for particularly long. And all of that was true about all three kids. It all bore out. And they all lost. And I think that's mm-hmm. the perfect ending. And really, it's the only way it could have. A lot of people listening to this podcast who may have listened, you know, in multiple seasons with us might be surprised I'm not on here upset that Kendall, quote, lost. Kendall never should have, quote, won. Like, he, as soon as he gets comfortable, Kendall becomes the Kendall that we saw in the boardroom. And he's smart. With his feet on the desk. And everybody fucking hates God, him. I fucking hate him. And... He, you know, people, people don't follow him, right? When he gets that way. And, and that it, it bore out exactly like I felt like it should have borne out. I felt like there's only one way to do it, you know, and that, but there's only one way to do it with regards to the three kids, right? Like the idea of having Tom be the C, the hollow CEO, the stuffed shirt at the end. I mean, that could have gone with Greg. They could have gone with no one. That part is almost immaterial to me. I feel like what we were, the, our, our hard rooting interests were with the three kids. And that bore out the way it should have bore out. What do you think? Have you heard of the the Wamsgams theory that people have been having since season one of the show? Well, I didn't. I I have never. I never heard it since season one. Uh, I no, and I thought, and I was heavily online with the show. I heard it about midway through this season, which was mm-hmm. that there's a ball player from ages ago who's the ultimate some, some guy named Wamsgams who's the only person to do an unassisted triple play in a World Series, and yep. the idea is that he took out all three kids. I don't love that theory because a people like, it feels like a theory you back into. It feels like a theory where you're just heavily Googling the name Wamsgams and you find somebody and you back into it. But it also, I'm not sure that I would give Tom any sort of credit for a triple play. No, I don't think he did anything other than look a man in the face and say, it's totally fine for you to fuck my wife. And, and then I will be and, your pain and, sponge. And then he got a job for that. That's basically yeah. what he did. Tom won by being a grinder and by willing to take pain. Tom, I mean, give the man credit. The man put in a lot of effort, a lot of pain, and a lot of willingness to accept both of those things going forward for the rest of his life as long as he can tolerate it. He has some credit for this. But it got handed to him with him doing that legwork by Matson and Schiff. It's like a miraculous series of events had to occur through other people's effort. To have his own leg work matter. Yeah, so I I wouldn't say that they played this as Tom. Like this isn't a situation where we go, oh my gosh, like the the you know the hero pulled off the mm-hmm. mask and it was Tom all along and look at all this strategic yep. work that he did and the culmination of a multi season plan yep. from Tom Wanscams. It's not that at all. Like it it fell in his lap and he didn't fuck that piece up. But I would not I would not call him. I wouldn't say he he. Delivered on an unassisted triple play. No. His effort, undisputably over seasons worth, respect to decision-making with Logan, decision-making this season and elsewhere, mattered. But this was not a solo win. He did not drive this through to the goal. There was a lot of other factors at play. Yeah, and I'll, I'll say this, and this is a tease for when we get to that part later in the episode. 
This is going to shock you, Spencer. So, so I just want you to make sure you're sitting down. Make sure you're ready. Bracing. I agree with what Shiv did in the boardroom. We will discuss what. I mean, Shiv, what did you agree with? Shiv, That's what we'll discuss. We, Shiv, I agree with you. I'm a Kendall guy. I love Kendall. I still love Kendall. You did the right thing. You have my support. I would have done the same thing in her situation. I think it entirely depends how we answer the question of she did a thing. Why did she do the thing in terms of me assessing whether I agree with her or not or what's driving it? Oh, uh, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm not I'm not really de- – when I do that, I'm – when I say that, I'm not like validating her reasoning because no, no, I don't know her uh, reasoning. Uh, I am saying that uh, I, no think, ever will. I think it was the right move. I would have done it. I support Shiv in that. And that might surprise some of our listeners, but I wanted to get that out of the way. A little bit of a tease, as they say in the business, Spencer. People are already writing papers on the subject of unpacking why Shiv did what Shiv did. Hindered by the fact that I would bet money that Shiv doesn't know why she did what Shiv did. Did Mookie do the right thing, Spencer? We'll be talking about this in 30 years in film classes. (laughs) Did Shiv do the right thing? Indeed. Uh, That'll be a lot of fun. So, we will... It's the last time. Last time, Spencer... One last ride for the bum, Line of bum, Succession bum, bum, podcast. We are going to do the recap. I will lead the what? recap. Quite a long one tonight, uh, as you mm-hmm. might imagine. And then we will jump to Line of Succession, where we will discuss the best line of dialogue. And I'll say this. This is another little reveal we'll do here right at the jump, right at the outset. Hmm. I can't believe I got approval for this in the manga, the bureaucracy that is Mangum Talks. I filled out the form. It went up level, above level, above level. It actually got to the very top of the level, got approved. I couldn't believe it. I got Spencer to agree to do one more podcast on this line of succession podcast feed where we will review the entire show in a couple of weeks. What we're going to do is get on and we're going to talk about the show generally. I'm going to let it marinate for a couple of weeks and we're going to talk about the show. And at that point, I hope maybe we can do best line of dialogue from the entire show. But today, we're just going to do best long line of dialogue from the episode. Then we'll jump to Roy of the episode, the Roy winner, the Roy loser of the episode. Those are pretty, I think, obvious, but we can we can talk through them. And then mm-hmm. when we do the, the, the sort of series wrap-up pod in a few weeks, we may do the Roy that won the series, the Roy that lost the series. I think that'll be a lot of fun to talk through. And then we'll do... Spencer's relationship advice at the episode, based on all of the really healthy dynamics he sees play out in this series finale, Spencer's going to tell us uh, a good bit of relationship advice at the episode. It should be a lot of fun. Spencer, anything else you want to say at the jump before we jump into the recap? For the last time, man, let us begin. Let's go. Episode 10 with open eyes. Fairly long previously on, as you might imagine, for a series finale. Some of the funeral stuff, reference to the Caribbean invitation. A lot of people... I think the Caribbean invitation people that went whoop over some people's heads uh, because mm. when when they show up at Carolyn's house, a lot of people are going, minutes. where the hell were they? Well, they were, yeah, they were in the Caribbean. Uh, Shiv working with Mads and Roman crying during the funeral. Kendall's speech, Shiv's speech, Roman working with Hugo, Shiv and Tom. Tom going back to the apartment. Big deal. Big deal. Kendall talking to Roman. Roman getting in with the protesters, laying on the ground, and then we start the episode. So we have a radio personality. <laughs> Who's now on in Kendall's car? I like that we, the series finale Cars. starts. Series finale starts as the series began with Kendall in a car, you know, going toward Waystar, and um, the radio personality is talking about the potential deal. Re- regulatory concerns have apparently receded. So all that talk, all that talk about regulatory concerns, it looks like. Well, from what I could tell, it seems like Minkin is in such a dogfight to try to win the presidency that this may have taken a backseat for him. Yeah, I don't think 
I think there is an... Well, Lincoln's not even in office yet. It's still the existing president. There, there's been no transition in power, one would assume, yet, unless a significant period of time has passed between episodes. So, regardless, no one has the political capital to pay attention whatsoever to this deal here right now. Right, but it would seem that if he was ta- if he was giving overtures that he had regulatory concerns, they could have potentially stalled the vote, sure. waited, you know, whatever. Except, but I, it's, a, it's a Republican president that's presently in office in the succession world, right? The, the raisin from California? Correct. And what we're learning is, what we learned throughout the episode is that Minkin doesn't have this quite as sewn up as maybe it was presented earlier. No. Are, are, you, are you surprised? You were pretty confident that Minkin was going to be the next president of the United States, but there seems to be some noticeable doubts before this episode is over. Yeah, I don't know. I still think he might be, but they, I think they leave that purposely ambiguous. Um, yeah. Madsen wants to take the deceased Logan Roy's empire. That's how it was phrased. The deceased Logan mm-hmm. Roy's empire. It's not Waystar. It's not company run by Kendall and Roman Roy. It's deceased Logan Roy's empire. We have Kendall walking into Waystar. Kendall is telling folks, okay, okay, carpe the DM people. He comes in and uh, greets Telly. I, I was already convinced in this moment that Kendall was fucked. It's like, this, this is Kendall acting bro Kendall. Bro Kendall does not win. Bro Kendall has never won. Kendall, as you said, that is striving, that is behind the eight ball, that's forced to think on his feet. That Kendall does great. Kendall, that's cocky with his own shit, will find new ways to fail at every opportunity. So I wasn't, I wasn't, it didn't strike me that this was like a wrap for Kendall right here. But now in retrospect, looking at it, I can see the way they wrote the episode that they wrote as he start, he has gotten enough momentum that he's flipped the switch and he's the type of Kendall that we all fucking hate. Right. Yes. Um, which is the Kindle that he mostly hasn't been this season at all. And he, he ends up becoming that Kindle at exactly the wrong time. He dials it up to 11 here at the worst possible hour. Says he wants to run through the board presentation. Tele, tele, jelly belly. Says he just wants, uh, he was just talking to, uh, Stewie's guy. And, uh, yeah, I don't think we got him. Uh, Kindle takes that in and says, cool, cool, cool. Really? Giving him direct. Kindle indicates it's a smoke screen and he can pull in Stewie. He's sure of it. Telly tells him, they don't have the shareholders or the board numbers to stop this. Kendall says, look, I'll get the votes. Telly says, you want to outline the path here? So what Telly's doing is saying, look, dude, I need you to give me some sort of fucking just something here. Like, can mm-hmm. you give me some sort of idea about your plan? And Kendall just goes, I fucking got it. I fucking got it. I got Ewan. I got Pauly. I got Dewey locked in. So yeah, three votes. You, four. You get four people counting you. Congrats. You need seven. Immediately seven here. Telly says, and Kendall says he thinks he can get Stewie, Sonia, maybe Frank. There are multiple, multiple routes. Telly keeps pushing him. Says he only has four. Only. He asks about Roman. Finally, Kendall sort of snaps and says, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't fucking know. Does that make you feel better? I don't know where he is. I don't know where he stands, but I got him. I got him. Intro music. Last time. And they didn't change the intro. So. No, they did not. Are you mad about that? A little, yeah. I was. I mean, what was it? Season one, where they did, they actually would change the intro, uh, you know, consistently between episodes in terms of the ticker and anything else. And we were enjoying paying attention to that. I feel they like that was more with, season two, but yeah, they've done it throughout the seasons. Yeah, not so much this time around. Um, cut to Shiv walking. Uh, go ahead. This intro does emphasize that Roman and Kendall blew an opportunity with the indie information. They should have gone out with it right away. That the fact it really disappeared. The fact that Shiv was able to get that out first at a point when nobody would be paying attention and care has diluted what was their most effective weapon. I think that there's might be as much of the show might be a slight inconsistency in the writing with the regards to the India numbers because when he talks to Frank, 
Frank, who is a character we're supposed to trust, says that basically you just have to bring this in front of the board and it's this could hold up the deal. Now, it gets released. Presumably, Kendall could take that complaint to the board and change things, but he's not doing it, which indicates to me that it's actually not that big a deal. And so I think there's just I think there's a they played with our expectations about that that plot angle and then they went a different way with it. I just think it's a tad inconsistent. No, I'm, I'm with you completely. I'm glad, I'm glad you brought it up because I think Frank's general treatment of this episode feels inconsistent based on that one last conversation we had with him of where he seemed like he was firmly in Kendall's camp. It was going to be Kendall's guy the way he'd been in the past and then no further conversation at that point. And here he's just an assumed vote in favor of the deal. I'm with you. That is one, I would say, flaw in the in the episode is the whole India numbers and, Fra- and, and Frank consistency. Yeah, they could they they could have done well to give us a couple lines of dialogue about maybe the Indian numbers got looked into and there's some sort of hitch or something. It's not quite as bad. Like they don't give us that, right? Because how it's presented to Kendall is a deal breaker if the board just gets the information. And That's they cl- the board and the board clearly has the information, right? So she proclaims Shiv is walking into a room with Matt's and she proclaims that Kendall maybe has lost Stewie. He's worked. That just means we got Kendall in the truck, all trussed up and ready to fucking bake. Shiv's drunk with power here, too. Yeah, and you know, this is the thing that like, people who like Shiv and who are rooting for a woman in this story does don't like. And they keep putting that mirror up. Not mirror, but they keep putting that... Um, they keep showing it. They keep representing this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and people just don't seem to want to accept it. But like Shiv is has an outsized opinion of her own ability and she gets overconfident very quickly because of that right she when she she thinks she's the smartest person in the room and mm-hmm. when you think you're the smartest person in the room you have a tendency to oversee the little signs right it consists it consistently gets her played by other people because she get she gets led by the nose thinking that there somebody's going to offer her you know the moon if she just works hard for it whatever else and that person inevitably screws her over it's happened like three times on the show she's she's so confident here that she's got this all locked up, that as she describes later to Kendall, she won, she she outfought him, she outdueled mm-hmm. him, that she's not picking up on signs that Matson's giving her here, and we'll talk through them. Very clearly. So yes. Matson just looked at her and goes, it's good, no heart in that, nothing. Right away I no felt passion. like something might be wrong, right? And she keeps going. She says, you got me, obviously. Me, Simone, Frank, Sandy, Sandy, locked, Stewie. He talks a lot of shit, but yeah, he's... He's not going to split because money, honey, right? So she's mm-hmm. like joking around with him. She says that Diane, Lou, Sonia, they have it. Then she goes on to see if we peel off Dewey, Paul, Ewan, then there's only like Ken and Roman, the against. That's fucking, and Roman may not even show up from whatever jerk dungeon he's being pity spanked in. What a wonderful line. <laughs> what a wonderful line. Jerk dungeon he's being pity spanked in. Madsen says, yeah, I'm very happy. Yeah, yeah. This sounds like a very happy man. Doesn't this man just, you know, like leaping off the page with his exuberance late? I mean, I know what I would have done, but I'm, but I'm, a, I'm, I probably have a little bit more Tom in me than Shiv, which is the I stay up late all night worrying because I'm constantly thinking I fuck something up. I would have stopped and said, wait a second. Are we good? Like, I would have had that conversation. It, I would not. Shiv's biggest mistake I think she makes in this episode is she leaves Matson's side. It's like, with that kind of tone out of Matson, with the general temperament you've seen in Matson previously, you don't want to leave his orbit for a half second. But she spends the entirety of the episode from here off, off on her own things. I quite honestly don't, I mean, other than, like, the ability to maybe convince him 
that she should end up being the American CEO. I'm not sure what staying by his side would have done. Honestly, I think that like she needed to pry into the signs that he's giving him because like if Matson's already made the decision, he's going with somebody else. She would benefit by learning this pretty quickly, right? Which, which is my point. If the, I think she's screwed here. I think the only way oh, she you're, can protect you're, herself. You're not saying that if she stayed by his side, she would have been the American CEO. No, you're saying that she would have learned the information in a maybe a little bit more palatable channel. In a way that she at least feels she's in control over and is a master of her own destiny. Yeah, from purely a psychological standpoint. The only way she could have gotten ahead of this is if she'd actually required Matson to publish it a week or so ago, whenever else. That yes, she's going to be the CEO, whatever. Uh, the fact that she hasn't gotten any kind of like public declaration like that, Matson was just waiting for the opportunity to cast her off. Yeah, okay. He says he still wants to do the old school signing. So this is what we see at the end when they're actually they mm-hmm. literally sit down and sign over the company. And Matson says, "Perfect." Shiv says, "You know uh, me as new CEO." Mm-hmm. Shiv asks him what's on his list. She brings up Tom, and she says she just wants to say out loud, "It's no big deal for me." So this is another thing I'll point out with Shiv, right? Is that Shiv, in talking about Tom, makes the assumption that Matson is only thinking about it through the lens of what Shiv wants, right? Because she yes. keeps going, well, it's not a big deal to me. So I just want you to know that it's okay. Now, I know why she might think that because she's married to Tom, but it is a tad presumptuous to think that maybe like the only reason he, the only lens he's looking at Tom through is will this make Shiv happy or sad? Like maybe he just wants to know if Tom's a good worker or not. Maybe you give him an honest assessment of his abilities instead of everything filtered through you. Which is pretty much the questions that Matson has asked Tom both before and again in this episode. But yeah, the fact that Shiv believes that Matson is hanging on her every word to decide this guy's fate yeah. is presumptuous as all shit. And it's very not accurately reading the guy right here in the room. Yeah. Madsen says, well, we had some initial, like, um, some vibe meets. I mean, I, I'll tell you this. There's a lot of things I want. Like, if I, if we could take this world and fuse it with a fictional world, I'd be a Jedi. But I, I wish we could, I do wish I could put you into a vibe meet with Madsen oh. for an evening and just watch that. How that much would be do you hate wonderful. me? Wonderful I, to see. I, I truly thought we were friends. With all we've been through, this is what you want to inflict upon I just me. love the idea. the fantasy world you send me into. I love the idea that he'd take you somewhere where it's a $400 piece of fish. I don't want to drink. I don't he, want to dance he, with old men. He'd tell you the $400. He'd tell you the $400 piece of fish is garbage and that you've wasted your money, which would make your head explode. And then he'd make you do shots. Oh my gosh. That'd be fun to watch. I know what entertains you, and I know that's that. I still resent you for it. Shiv says Dom is shitting himself, Madsen. The delta between a guy and a 10x guy is obviously life and death, and 18 is central. So, uh, Tom, 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 I don't know. What do you think? So, again, he asked her, what do you, he's asked her now twice, right? What do you think? Can you tell, and he, by the way, he, nowhere in that does he go, Tom is your husband. I'm worried what you might think. Yeah, the dynamic. He, no, he's talking about Tom. Purely his his role in the company, his current abilities. He's he's talking about ATN being central. He's not sure he's a 10x guy, which I'm still a little loose on what the fuck that jargon might mean. Um, but he's clearly wanting to get a scouting report on Tom absent Shiv's own personal feelings, right? And Shiv just keeps on with this. Um, she goes, he's a very plausible corporate. He's very plausible corporate matter. He's also just a highly interchangeable modular part. Now, Spencer, I will back up. And let you explain to the podcast what the fuck that means. Uh, the marginal thing or the 10x thing? I looked up the 10x thing. I can, t- I can explain that one to start. No, he is a very plausible corporate matter, but he's also just a highly interchangeable modular part. Go ahead, Spencer. What does that mean? 
uh, that he is completely disposable. That you know he is useful. He is a, he's an effective cog, but he can be replaced without any particular difficulty or issue in terms of the overall running of the company. Is a 10x guy like a guy who's going to like ten times the revenue, ten times the profit for you? Uh, you should set targets for yourself that are ten times greater than what you believe you can achieve. Oh, so it's like those little short like business TikTok videos where it's like you cut away to some like guy in their early 30s like let me tell you how to make a million dollars in like five seconds effectively yeah. it's, 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 there's, a, there's a book apparently by grant cardone called the 10x rule it's one of those kind of self-help aspirational what what you, what you can achieve kind of things wonderful i'll send it to you i'll send you a copy Spencer. please don't yeah um <laughs> now madsen says okay to this when she gives him this gobbledygook and she mm-hmm. says if they wanted continuity, could work. She says ATN is going gangbusters right now, so it's generating a lot of revenue. Not a surprise to this podcast, by the way. We talked about how the ATN model, which is really the Fox News model, although Spencer thinks, you know, it could be, could be either side. He, he's not really sure what it is. Uh, a, either, a successful uh, news nah, who program. Who knows what they're trying to represent, right? Could be. But yeah. the Fox News model, very <laughs> profitable right now. Very profitable. Like we talked about this. It's not a Even surprise. With settlements. Not a surprise. And Tom is apparently well-liked, she says. So if he were to stay on, that would also be okay with me. Again, back to her thought. She keeps talking about what would be okay with her. Again, he doesn't care. He literally says, okay, good to know. And she says, this is separate. Feelings aside, Tom will honestly suck the biggest dick in the room. That's just my assessment. Now, that's the most honest thing she said about Tom all fucking season. It's true, too. And as Batson says, love is in the air. She says, yeah. She gets a phone call and she takes it. It's Caroline. Caroline talks with her a bit. As Caroline is talking, Lucas is looking at a magazine spread. Did you catch this? Did you pause this to look at it? Yeah, it's Shiv being the puppet master, you know. Over Lucas. Over Lucas, you know, working him like a marionette. Which I looked at that and went... Well, uh, if his decision wasn't clear already, that's going to drive him in a direction. And the text of it says, is Lucas Madsen taking over the world? Has a big, as you said, big picture of Shiv puppet mastering Lucas. Then there's also a quote that says, Shiv gets Lucas. He likes that. Did Shiv herself have this article done? Did Shiv, like, you know, work with time to have this published? I felt like that was the indication because she said she could pull it back. Mm-hmm. Like it, uh, that's true. Good point. Because she tells him, I, I can get the online taken down if you want me to. So how? I mean, like, if she didn't have a role in creating it, and it's multi, it's mentioned multiple times. Tom mentions it, right? He goes, "Are you?" Were you he mentions it to Matt, and he goes, "Were you upset about the cartoon? Mm-hmm. Why would he ask? Were you upset about the cartoon in relation to Shiv? If Shiv didn't hand a, have a hand in creating the cartoon, like, I feel that's- like we're getting a lot of. They don't explicitly say it, but we got some clues that she might have might have been behind oh, that. Well, well, I think I think it's very possible, and if so, it's a very it, it's a poor bit of marketing on her own part. Given how the way she framed herself to Matson was that she would just be a loyal cog, that Matson would get to control her however he wanted. You know, she'd just be a conduit of Swedish wisdom. This is very much not following that narrative. Yeah, and he has never he during this entire thing, he has never indicated that he like needs the Roy name or he wants mm. the Roy name in any capacity. Right, so like. Having her interjected in this at all probably was a bad idea. I mean, like, if I was her and I was getting something printed about Lucas, it would have been, like, Lucas as the puppeteer with, like, America under it, right? Like, play to his mm-hmm. ego a little bit, show that he's so great. Uh, I certainly wouldn't have been in- interjecting myself in that be- at all. Never thought I would say this, but Shiv, you need to be a Tom here. Can you be a Tom, Shiv? 
Don't think you can, Shiv. Caroline then mumbles her way through and asks to Shiv if she's coming. Shiv tells her no. Caroline then says, there's somebody here you might want to see. I promise I wouldn't say who, but it's one of your brothers and it's not Kendall. Shiv says, well, crack the code. Uh, Shiv says she's going to have a think, but now she uh, wants to make this work. So all of a sudden now she, she was basically saying no before she was going. And then she heard Roman is there. She says, well, yeah, I'll try to make this work. Mistake. She walks back in the room. She sees Madsen looking at the magazine. She asks him if it's okay. Madsen goes to the cartoon. Mm-hmm. I think it's funny. Madsen then mimes like he's being a puppet. Look at me. Look at me. She then says she can take, she can get the journalist to take it down offline. She can take the offline, online version off. Madsen says, I don't care. People, people try to get to me and they can't. Look at him. Isn't he so tough? Oh, absolutely. Completely immune to commentary about him whatsoever. She tells Madsen an associate of hers called her mother. An associate, and she has a fix on Roman. She says she wants to go nail Roman as well. I wish Roman was in the room to hear her say that. That that sentence exactly that way. Ah, oh, he'd love it. Yeah, that feeding you exactly everything he would, he's ever said before. He'd joke about that for six months. She says it would be nice to get unanimity across the board, which is I, I have to say true. Now, we're, what are we about twenty eight minutes in the podcast? We have. I think very fairly talked about what Shiv's done wrong. I'd like to say something that Shiv is very, very right about. And that is pad the fucking vote. Don't yes. get to seven and quit. Kendall later in the episode gets to seven and stops. He could have, he could have offered Do- Frank. Doesn't even make a pitch. He could have offered Frank the world. He could have offered Sandy and, and Sandy a whole bunch of shit. He could have Getting gotten, cocky. he could have gotten bigger votes, but he got to seven and stopped. She doesn't want to get to seven and stop. And that I think is abundantly. You know, yeah. reasonable. I think Roman's a poor thing to focus on, though. I think there's other targets that she would have gone for and had a much more useful time spent than going after Roman or going to talk to Kendra or whatever else. Ultimately, sends her in a different direction once she gets information out. But in terms of investing resources, Roman is not exactly a low-hanging fruit here. I, I would agree with that, but I do have a question for you. Um, wh- why is Ewan so against the deal? Doesn't say doesn't say. I mean, I almost would have expected Roman to be Ewan to be pissed at Kendall, given what we last saw of him, given the daggers he was staring at Kendall at the uh, funeral. But off camera, apparently they've worked out the range. Maybe, maybe he just wants to keep it in the family, and with respect to you know his bro- his brother and that and that aspect of things. But it's never explicitly said. I don't think in the episode, other than his very vague comment of "do no harm." Yeah, it's very confusing to me. I had a buddy, a good buddy of mine, ask me, what the hell, why was Ewing so against this? And it felt, it feels like Ewing might have been somebody that she could have gone to talk to, as opposed to Roman. I'm not sure I would have, I would have assumed that Roman would be with Kendall. And I I wouldn't have backed off that. If I I was Shiv, I would have gone to Ewing and just say, hey, you know, you've hated what your brother did with this company and the Noxus influence and everything else and the conservative agenda that's, you know, let's go sell it to a socialist. Yes. Yeah, let's market like that. Let's sell, let's sell it to a Swedish socialist with me, you know, running the U.S. in the news. Aren't I better than what, you know, you are knowing Kendall and Roman are going to do? Don't mention you running anything. He doesn't want to hear that Arroyo is still running it. Say, we're selling it Fair. to a socialist. It's going to be European from now on. Wouldn't you he, love that? He, he's donated this much to Greenpeace. The man lives in Canada. He doesn't even like America enough to live in it. Valid point. Ah, uh, yeah. Anyway, Shiv is then... Um, Shibnit says, tells, uh, Madsen, call me whenever, wherever I'm available. Let's fucking do this. Madsen gives her a very not, not very excited go get him as she leaves. Mm-hmm. Um, she, she ain't reading the room. She, she, she's not reading the room. And I, I honestly think it comes from a place of overconfidence because oh, yeah. she, she is the smartest of the three kids. She is. She's just, she just is smarter than Roman and Kendall, but 
she fit when you when you like she's a let's say arbitrary scale she's a b in intelligence right they're mm-hmm. they're d's right we're just talking relative scale yeah, sure. but if you think you're an a that's a problem right yes. that's the issue with her is that yes she is smarter than them but she still thinks she's a little bit smarter than what? she really is and particularly if you think the fact that you're a B means everyone's going to treat you as the ruler of the room at all times. Or you, th- or you think you're an A and that entitles you to, for everyone to just follow what you want them to do. It's just hard for me to believe that he's giving these vibes and she doesn't stop and go, hey, can we clear the room and sit with them and go, what's up? Like, what can you talk to me about how this is it? Like, you know, what's going on? Because if you don't want me as American CEO, I need to hear that now. We'll work through it. We'll work something else out. So, this is the least engaged. She should mean. He's, this isn't like, you know, he's always at this wavelength. This is the least engaged she's ever seen him. Just as a matter of relative scale, that should be notable to her. Shiv has been walking to a plane saying she's going to bag him. I'm looking for unanimity. Tom, who she's talking to, is clarifying with Tim, with Shiv, that Roman is at their mom's. Tom asks if she's spoken to Lucas. Am I for the chop? She seems sort of exasperated and she says she's trying. Tom says he's got a bad feeling. <laughs> We've booked me in the third hang. It's it's excruciating. I'm afraid he's going to want to play online games, and I'll be running into the wall for hours. And I got to say, Tom, I do feel your pain. I have I have a my core my closest group of friends. They love this game, Halo. Don't know if you've heard of it. Good <laughs> Lord, Navin. They play this game. I don't know how to play it. I suck at it. I get motion sick, and I just run into a wall. Five and get shot in. in the head over and over and over again. Trust it, me, man. It the, really the, sucks. The, the, the sixth hour on Blood Gulch is the best hour you're going to find. It really is tough for me. I get, I get, I get sick to my stomach and I get shot in the head. Um, should have asked him if they can have a real conversation. I have a question for you, Spencer. Did this shock you that she was this open with him about still liking him? It was interesting. It was interesting. I, I, I did not expect this. At, well, I probably, in the moment I didn't, but in retrospect, I probably should have because when push, 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 I told shove, you. Shiv, no, no, Shiv has been willing to sacrifice for, Tom, each of these seasons. She's been willing to, in the end, do the act of love, even if she tells Tom about that or not. So there's definitely a level of caring there, you know, regardless of your, you know, commentary on the subject. I told you. Of course. Um, but in the moment, it still caught me off guard because he's been the one that's been initiating every time previous. I mean, I feel like I I deserve to do a victory lap here, so I'm going to do it. I told you. <laughs> For your graduate ending of their relationship this episode? I just told you. I told you that they were always going to be together, that it was going to work out between the two of them. She 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 falls on the sword. She does the I, thing for him. Um, workout is an interesting way of describing what the two of them are. At they're the end of this episode. they're still together. I'm sure of it. I'm absolutely sure of and, it. And that is fine. I'm sure they're going to have the best of times together. No, they're going to be fucking miserable, but they're going to stay together. <laughs> okay, because we'll they're because they're kind of miserable people. Like miserable people, yeah. two miserable people don't tend to get together and have a big happy fun relationship, right? Like they're they're being miserable together, but they do love each other. On that point, did Shiv actually say anything in the conversation with Matson that was actually standing up for Tom? No, not like, a, not a it? single. Th- uh, well, I mean, I guess you could say that he said she said he's popular with ATM. He is a popular guy at ATM. Uh, what a ringing endorsement in terms of what else she said about it. But she did say he would suck the biggest dick in the room. So I don't know. A little bit of column A, a little bit. You know, it's potato, potato. She asked him if they can have a real conversation. She, she says on mats and stuff, she'll do what she can. She's trying, but uh, 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 with us, I just wanted to get a few things straight. Tom, who still thinks they're getting a divorce, says he wants it to be really nice. Like we should Czechoslovakia, you know? We should make it, you know, lovely velvet parting of the ways. Velvet revolution. Yeah. So he's talking about splitting in a very odd way. Shiv 
So for you, there's there's nothing left? Tom, well, how do you mean? He still doesn't get it. She says she wants to raise the idea, you know, there may be some positives. The nightmare we about, about the nightmare about the we nightmare shared. we shared. <laughs> and he goes, as in? Uh because I guess if there was anything there, it would be be so convenient. Tom says, Well, it would be incredibly convenient because you'd be married to your husband. Guffaw, guffaw. She says, Yeah, exactly. And then I think the scheduling, it's mess free. Do you, do you love this loving pitch? Isn't, isn't this a profound declaration of love we're hearing right here? From Shiv? This is a, from this Shiv is, is huge. It's just weird. It's fucking the, the most you're ever going to get from her. I think it's, I think it's, you know, it's a 10 out of 10 from her. Tom, you've fallen in love. Finally, you've fallen in love with our scheduling opportunity. She says, uh huh. <laughs> so she's still trying to hang in there. She said she would love to not have to. Most cutting, one of the most cutting lines of the season, I think. He says, you don't like mm-hmm. to fail a test, do you, Siobhan? I love that line so much. I Dude, really, Tom, really liked it. Tom has said some good lines about Shiv, but you know, be careful, dear. You know, always keeping a back a fallback plan or something. But that line, ooh, that rings. I mean, I think that like people who have been in a lot of different relationships, maybe you know, like dated mm-hmm. around a little bit. You probably have think back, think back in that in that in that relationship history. There's probably somebody that you were with that you got the vibe. They're staying with me because they don't want to have to tell their friends that they broke up with me. Like they don't want to tell their friends that it didn't work out. Like I've had that vibe before where you're like looking at the person, you're like this person doesn't like me anymore, but they don't want to admit failure. And I think that's what he is indicating here. I don't think it's a fair read because I don't think Shiv has any problem telling people she's getting divorced. My opinion. I think she just likes the guy, but that's just my opinion. I think it has a grain of truth to it. I think it has a grain of truth to it. Well, it's it's hard, right? Because I don't I don't I think that's true about a lot of things with Shiv, but I don't think that's her primary motivation here. But no, no given her ultimate decision making, open question. But the she does make a face here, and I've taken to doing this on the podcast. Um, I like to I like to point I like to take one moment the, the, the Sarah Snook faces. I like to take one moment in an episode and take a picture of it, put it on our Facebook page. So facebook.com slash talks. I took a picture of her face as soon as he said, "You don't like to, to fail a test, do you, Siobhan?" It's a fucking wild face. Like the Sarah Snook faces are crazy. This is one of the top tier ones here. Uh, so go check it out at facebook.com slash Mangum Talks. And by the way, join our, join our Facebook page while you're there. She mm-hmm. says, look, I know we've said the worst things. And then she makes this point, Spencer, which you can't falter logic. She says, look, once you said all the bad shit, there's nowhere else to go. So, you know, we're kind of in a good spot, right? I, I don't think that's true at all. You don't think so? I I think people can always find new bad shit. There's no you what? can never you can never plumb the bottoms of the well of bad shit you can say about other people. Well, she wants to know if he's still interested in a real relationship. Tom says, "Honest to God, he doesn't know. I just don't know." So she hangs up. Cut to Kendall calling Stewie. He's leaving him a message, urging him to join his side. Then Hugo comes in, Roman from Greg and Ratfucker Sam. So Greg is a leak for Kendall, even at this point in the episode. Even more so later. Kendall likes this. Um, this is how he figured, this is by the way, Greg is how he figures out that Roman is with his mother, right? Because Shiv tells Tom that Rome is with the mother. What, what do you make of, and Tom mom, has told Greg, what do you make of the mom not telling Kendall? I'm not sure she's just spoken to him yet. I'm not sure she's actually gotten him on the phone yet. Kendall seems like she, tr- Kendall, she tries to deny it. Kendall appears. Well, no, no, I mean, that was, that was kind of half-hearted. I, I, I get, I would have bet that my headcanon is that Kendall is ignoring the calls from his mother at this point. Maybe. 
He doesn't seem like a daily check-in with his mom type guy. No, oddly enough, I think Shiv is more of a constant contact with her mom than Kendall does. <laughs> yeah, I'd say. Uh, he says he uh, needs to speak to Roman very... So that, that he gets this information, he calls Caroline. He says he needs to speak to Roman very urgently. It's life or death, you see. It's life or death. No recrimination, Spencer, but it is life or death. Just so, no, you, just so you're aware. Not a big deal. Not a big deal. The world, seven continents worth, may die. Caroline chuckles and says, well, I, I can't say. Kendall says he needs to come back if he's planning to come back. Uh, if he's, I need, he needs to come back, and I need to know if he's going to plan to come back tomorrow. Caroline says he's very fragile. Kendall asks if Shiv is there. She's coming. Caroline says, I don't want to get into a lot of business. So she says she'd love for the whole family to be there, but if it's going to be thumb screws, I'd rather it didn't happen at my house. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of fair enough. Like, one of the, one of the very few things Caroline's ever said where I said, huh, good point. Most of the time I'm oh. like, hmm, she sucks. Also, don't touch somebody else's cheese, but we'll get to that one later. Kendall says he's coming, and he hangs up. Caroline seems a little bit shaken by this. Kendall then yells out to New Jess. New oh. Jess. Oh. Did that hurt? Did it hurt you as much as it hurt me to have New Jess declared here? See, I wasn't expecting Jess to leave this quick. Let me, I, I just want to, I'm going to say this multiple times in the podcast. I went into my love for Kendall with eyes wide open. Yeah. I know what this fucking guy is. He stinks. Yeah. He stinks. You, you, this doesn't, He's new Jess. This me. doesn't surprise me at all that he would call this person, because in this state, the the episode where he got on the stage and did the Living Plus monologue, he would have learned this person's name. But now he is he's CEO Kendall. He's put a different hat on and he's a fucking piece of shit. How much time has passed between the funeral and this episode? Like no more than a few days. I thought it was right? just a couple days. Yeah. Yeah. So I can't imagine Jess quit during that period. I'm imagining the Kendall fired her. And has just replaced her, replaced her that fast. Well, it could have been. Jess wasn't even planning to tell him for like a week. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think there's there's a, there's a third way there where he probably said, "Well, now that I know it, it doesn't make sense for you to work here, right?" And she goes, "Yeah, probably not." And then he probably paid her a severance and she left. I don't know if it was that polite a conversation, but sure, maybe. I don't. When the smoke cleared, I'm not sure he'd fuck her on the money, but I'm not sure. I, you know, really don't know with Kendall. I mean, he is he's he's capable of some grimy shit. He can be capable of some grimy shit. I like to think that maybe he didn't fuck her on the money, but who knows? Um, because guess what? Just might need the money. There's a few people in this. There's very few fucking people, by the way, in this like room full of fucking rich dolts. There's a few people who actually need some money, right? I think Jess is one of those people. Greg, Greg doesn't. struggling. He's good. 200,000 a year. Just well. Struggling. Barely surviving. Grasping every day. We're going to get to that. I am going to make you so uncomfortable in the questions I ask you about this, you this, amount, of money, this amount of money that Greg makes. Um, new Jess. New Jess. I need to know. Oh, how about that? So anyway, he leaves. He says, let's bag him. Let's bag him and tag him. Cut to some. <laughs> cut to Barbados. I, th- I think it's Barbados, right? It, it is Barbados. How do you know that for sure? Because uh, he says BB later. Yeah, and that's a short for Barbados. Yeah, that's what I thought too. And that would explain the short plane ride from New York. It's not, not mm-hmm. particularly long. She was. In- I, I I thought before he said that that given that she's British, it might be Mallorca. And but it would be too too long of a damn trip. And I think she explicitly said the Caribbean. Yeah, she did say the Caribbean last episode, and it does need to be somewhere that's not very far, right? Because they're, they're jumping back and forth. Um, Shiv is there um, on the way to the house in a car. She arrives. We get a black SUV traveling with succession music in the background. I'm going to miss that so bad. I'm going to miss it so bad. Well, so just, just to help you cope through this, man, I will arrange for just black cars to drive in front of your house every now and then. I'm here for you. They'll blare music while, while they go past. Are you going to pay the assistant 200 grand to do it? 
uh, it's me we're talking about here. I will pay just random dudes the lowest possible price I possibly can, but I will get you the visual. Cut to Roman greeting Shiv. She sees him and she says, shit, the fuck happened to you? So, after Roman's fight in the streets, which he won, yeah. by the way. I straight up. Uh, he, did, he hasn't seen Shiv or Kendall since then. So I'm thinking two or three days. So before you can respond, Carolyn jumps out. Hello, 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 lovely, hello, lovely. She kisses Shiv. Wonderful. I see you brought your underling with you. Shiv says, well, it's busy right now, so I got to bring my people with me, right? Shiv asks again, what happened to Roman? He says, well, uh, I had a good discussion with some of your pals about the merits of liberal democracy. Shiv says, it's good. Good that you're here, I guess. You can rest and recuperate. So she's like trying to be like maybe she take a softer approach with him. That certainly than Kendall takes later. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Compared to Kendall, almost anything would have been a softer approach. Caroline says it looks better than when he first arrived, so I guess he's been there a couple days, maybe? She couldn't look at it when he first got there. Roman points out that Peter, daddy's here. Peter, (laughs) did his eye drops. Caroline. He fixed his boo-boos. Come on. He's probably a proper daddy here. (laughs) Caroline laughs. Bless him. Uh, there's something about eyes. This is, I gotta say, a lot of important lines this, this episode. Probably the most important monologue we get from Caroline. There's something about eyes that just revolt me. Shiv, eyes like human eyes that we all have. Yeah, I don't like to think of these little blobs of jelly rolling around in your head. Just face eggs. eggs. You, you like that one? Well, I just have a theory that there's a guy in the writer's room who likes just dumb comedy. And he's the guy who did the wasabi scene on election night. And he's the guy who forced this into the script. <laughs> The, the, I mean, well, I guess, I guess it could be a woman too. I shouldn't generate. It should be a some. There is a writer, a guy or girl, that is uh, in the in the just, in the room and that does a dose it, of silly. It can only be one though, and yeah, and they just the rest don't allow him. And, and they said, you know what? This really needs. We gotta gotta do a comedy break. Face eggs. You with uh, me? Maybe it's metaphorical. Maybe we're talking about how that she's so uncomfortable with other people that she can't deal with you know the eyes that look into no. the soul or you know self image or mirror kind. Of, no, it's just silly. Yeah, it's just silly. Okay. It's, it's, every once in a while, this show is just silly. The wasabi, the wasabi in the eye certainly didn't mean certainly certainly didn't mean anything else. It meant, it meant okay. nothing else other than let's laugh at these numbskulls running around pouring lemon water on this guy's face. What wasn't that in some way symbolic about how it's the slightest things that can do it cause a Rube Goldberg effect that interfere with great things that come? You know, the flap of the butterfly wing, the wasabi in the eye. No. Just, just straight up, the, there's one silly dude in the writing room, and he's allowed one thing an episode. No, I think it, I think it, I think it was interjected to show that these are silly people. Sure, <clears throat> done. It's going to be real hard for best line of the series when we do this in about three weeks to not be "I love you, but you're not serious people." I don't know how what else could win. It's going to be. I'm going I'm to do my homework. I'm going to go back and look at through the seasons. Residence. But that was the that one is. I feel like it's the on the billboard of this show. That, that's the kind of thing of where that's like a mic drop, like Pendragon putting the sword in the stone. That, that's going to stay buried in the floor with the weight of that mic. Drop. It's like the last thing he said to them. Yeah, basically. Other than you know, goodbye. Uh, talking, uh, I'm talking to Robin on the phone. Caroline tells them to come in. Place still leaks. Well, no, didn't Roman come to the place later that night? Uh, Roman at dinner, and they talk with Roman on the phone the next day when he's driving to the airport. Caroline tells him to come in. Place still leaks. I have found the only hellhole in paradise. Yeah, it looks like a real hellhole. These people... I would struggle to be there. These people annoy me. Kendall's in the car on the way to the house. He's got Stewie on the phone. and asked Stewie if he's still with him. Logan, silence. It's interesting that Kendall goes alone, whereas Shiv brings a team. 
I don't know what that means, but I, just, I found it interesting that Shiv's there with an army and Kendall is just driving under, just driving to the location. Yeah, I uh, I agree. Himself, I agree. He is driving. doing that. I said I said the phrase Logan silence right before you made that point, and I was, my point was Logan always did this. He'd ask you something and he'd just sit and wait until you gave him the answer he wanted. I think that's what he's trying to do here. And I think yes. that Stewie just talks and talks and finally gets him to good, yeah. to something he likes. And he says, good man, good man. I know you wouldn't do me yeah. dirty like that. I'm just making a pit stop. I found Romy, Rome, Rome, Rome. I always had Roman, but this is just, you know, like nailed, nailed. It's like the Wolf of Wall Street thing. The first person that talks loses. So wait, wait until they go. I think he really does have Stewie though, because Stewie then gives him very important information, which is that. Well, Matson is talking to Lawrence Yee. Lawrence Yee is the guy who founded Falter, who Kendall cut the throat of um, a couple seasons ago. What's interesting about that is he, he didn't fire Lawrence, right? Like he fired all his people, but Lawrence still had to stay there. That was part of the I, deal, right? I, I guess. I mean, Lawrence briefly had a board seat, but we don't see him in terms of anything else since then. I, so I, I thought that part I don't, of the deal. I don't know Lawrence's status right now. Well, I just thought that part of the deal was that Lawrence had to stay on for a certain amount of time, and he just fired all his people, and that made Lawrence with, very angry with a with a gutted husk of a company underneath him. Yeah, was she, uh, yeah. I, I rather hated Lawrence, and said this was pretty effective in getting me at least being somewhat motivated. Well. Anyone other than that's got to win. So Kendall says this phrase, and later on, Shiv says the same phrase, which is, um, he says, what shape does that make? Do you speak this way? Do you talk like that to people? When they say I, something, I, do you go, what shape is that making? I, I do sometimes you know, lean that way, yes. Mm, okay. I don't. Um, <laughs> we see some beautiful shots of the area. Uh, Kendall arrives Range Rover for him, and it's not black. He walks up, and he's being sort of a prick. Romy Rome, where are you? Hello, hello. The hunt for red fucking October is over. He finds him. Well, 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 well. Look at this family scene. What the fuck happened to your face? Shift pops up and says, easy, easy. He's fragile, easy. Kendall, he's fragile. Roman, dude, fuck you, fragile. I'm not fragile. Well, you know, Kendall, you know Roman's not going to like being called fragile. Like, just straight up. Even though he is, he's not going to like it. Not a bit, no. Shift tells him to back up. Kendall, I'm just a, I'm just a ref for a cup of fucking tea. She says he's being aggressive. He is being aggressive. Kendall asks Roman if they can talk. Roman, oh God, oh I die, I, I, I don't, I don't, don't talk to me that way. Yeah, yeah, they're fucked. You're fucked. We're fucked. Everybody's fucked. Don't bullshit me, man. I don't like it. Uh, you know, he starts right out saying, "One of the first things we hear from Roman this episode: you're fucked. We're all fucked. Everybody's fucked." Toward the end, when he's sitting, we'll when he's sitting in the boardroom, he's saying, it's all stupid. Everything sucks. It's all We're dumb. All it's all bullshit. I, I love the connection there. That Roman has become nihilist, and I think he might actually be right in this particular situation, that it, they are kind of bullshit. Yeah, he's been a weird little you know, nihilistic, self nihilistic, depressed Cassandra attached to this, of where he's the one that's actually having a certain degree of insight and prophecy attached to their situation. Kendall's asking, what is this? He looks at Shiv and she says, did you get your little fucking screwdriver in on him? You pry him open. Kendall he, says that. K- Kendall gets paranoid real quick when he's feeling top of his game. Yeah. Um, he that, He's like, all the just bad things start. Like he's like, he's not considerate. He says things like new Jess. He is paranoid. He's overconfident. He's schmarmy. He just sucks when he has confidence. He's talking shit about the guy he flew here to secure the vote of right in front of him. He's treating him like he's just, you know, a completely manipulatable, non-conscious object. And yet he's trying to get this guy to vote in his favor. Yeah. He asks if Shiv is doing a number on him. Caroline comes up, asks Ken how he is. Ken... Um, tells Ken she's looking after Roman. Roman doesn't like that characterization. You're not looking after me. Kendall points out to Roman. You promised. You promised me, Roman. I don't recall saying the word. Well, maybe I did. I'm sorry. Whoops. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> Kendall calls this DEFCON 1. 
The world is pivoting on you. The world turning on a fucking clown here. He makes fun of him right to his face. He calls him a clown. Again, he's asking him to do him a favor. And he's mocking him in the process. Is this him, like, trying to be his dad kind of thing? Even his dad. No, this is Kendall. This isn't Ro- this isn't Logan. Logan would never do this. This is this no. is stupid. Like he this is overconfident. Like I I can do no wrong. Like it's all like it's high it's high high on his own supply, Kendall. That's what he is. Mm-hmm. He's high on his own supply, right? And he says, uh, Roman then has a wonderful retort. You're a fucking clown. Um Kendall says, Look at you. Roman says, Look at you, you're a fucking clown, living in a fucking dream world. You don't have it. He repeats, you don't have it multiple times. So why are you trying to, like, fucking get into me? Caroline tells Kendall that Roman needs peace and quiet. Kendall starts naming who he has. I've got Ewan. I've got Paul. I've got Dewey. I've got Stewie. That's now five if he's got all these people. Roman tells him that everyone needs to fuck off. I was in a very violent fight, which I won, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it looks like it. Kicked his ass. But I'm fine. Just just, just back the fuck off, okay? Everybody just stop talking. Roman, no, no, Roman didn't just lose the fight. He fell over attempting to push someone. He fell over attempting to help the guy that was going to... He he fell over attempting to fight the guy that had come to help him stand up. He was trying to push someone. And he fell over. Yes. Moving his arms forward caused him to fall over. Again, he's he's coordinated. He's pretty coordinated. It it was off screen, but that guy went to the fucking moon after Roman pushed him. You you wouldn't even believe it. He did take a couple steps backward. That's true. Um so, Kendall tells him to back off if Roman will just tell him how he's voted. Roman says that he's not backing off. Roman tells him, I don't want to talk. I don't want, I don't want you to talk. I don't want you to talk. Anyway, so he keeps telling Kendall to stop talking. Kendall won't stop talking. Roman walks away. Caroline asks if he's staying for dinner or if he's just staying there for the shouting. <laughs> Kendall says he's got, I, there's one moment I really like about Caroline and it's right here. And Kendall says he's got a huge board meeting and Caroline mocks that, pointing out, well, I've Jeez. never, I've never had a big board meeting News screw, to her. screw up my night. Like that's never happened before, which is just, I, I like that part of, I liked, I liked that because that was her saying, it's not my first fucking rodeo either, Kendall. You know, mm-hmm. like I've kind of been around this stuff for a while. Yeah. I've seen this actress in two things. Uh, as we've discussed, she's much better used in the show. She's a very interesting character with the background they bring in and the effect she has on her children. She's wonderful in a new Apple Plus series called Silo, which you should watch, Spencer. Yeah. I, I, I gave you that recommendation. You ignored the text. But it's a great um, show uh, about a book series about a group of people that all live in a colony underground in a silo. And she plays a little mousy mechanic. And within like 10 seconds, she convinces you that she's just this little like mousy like head in her head in her gears mechanic and it's that's a different role for her. well it's a fle- it's a flex by an actor who can who can flip you that fast like mm-hmm. she she went from being lady caroline to this little mousy person like that fast like i was like ah this person's got chops shout out to her shiv says i'm staying for dinner he might be busy you gotta call some people yeah he's losing so very busy kindle tells her that's nice he has nowhere to be i understand that Kendall fucking sucks. And uh, when he's, you, you probably, when you're beating him, you probably want to point it out because he sucks, right? But she's doing way too much dancing here. Wait, obviously. She's obviously, celebrating way. too early. Well, yeah, obviously. But I can see why she wants to. I mean, you know, cause, ugh, Kendall is just hard to take, but she's, she's celebrating way too early. Cut to Madsen and Tom. They are looking at art. Spencer's favorite thing to do, checking out some modern art. Tom tries to give an opinion, but only gets out. The colors go nicely. That is better than some things I've said in the same subject matter. Oscar takes Lucas aside. Tom is left there. More hang. 
more fucking hang that it uh more fucking hanging than in a dictator's birthday he says um tom goes over to greg the colors go well does that make sense i love that like he's so close with greg that when he says something stupid he'll still go over to greg and be like to assess the you stupidity believe, you believe i fucking said that yeah <laughs> greg, again greg goes yeah, yeah yeah the colors go well the colors go well together like it, he felt like it's implied. He felt like when he added the word together, it really brought it all 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 oh, together. Yeah, yeah. It, it brought it together. Yeah, complete package. I love how the two of them, the transition we've gone from like when they first met in season one, they're still not at equal levels of power, but they're so much more willing to talk to each other as peers than they've ever been before. Tom repeats it over and over. Tom tells Greg he's there for the hang. So you know. To jump in a little, you know, on the awkward social beach, you got to be like social patty. You're, you're literally, you're letting me swing. He says he's going to fire me. I fucking know it. Tells Greg he needs eyes and ears. You know, like on the assistant loop, Ebba. Like, is he planning to kill me? If he wins, he gets in. You are fucked. You're fucked. So Tom is still thinking that Greg's future is tied in with him. The cool thing that Greg does is he's the only person in the entire show that I can figure out that effectively plays both sides that going into that boardroom, it really didn't matter who won. Greg was going to be okay. Everybody else was on a knife's edge one way or the other. Thanks to Tom's largesse when it comes to the ultimate decision. But yeah, Greg is actively conspiring and making plans to improve his position in a way that no one else is even approaching. Well, it's like, is there, is there anyone else that the vote could have gone either way and they would have been okay? I mean, like, uh, well, I mean, like, they would have been in the same situation. Maybe Carolyn, uh, uh, sorry, Carolina. Maybe Carolina, because but she makes a bit of a play too in terms of you know working both sides. Ultimately, you're right, Carolina. But she actually has skills. <laughs> Greg is Greg is a data broker. He's an information guy. He's the spy master. This entire series. Yeah, but Carol, Carolina has the type of skills that like she could just send her resume out and start getting jobs. Like oh, Greg yeah. doesn't. Have she can that. get a, she can get a job Tuesday. Right. Um, <laughs> Greg says, all right, well, you know, he does like me. Tom, you, you, 200K, the highest paid assistant in human history. Spencer, let's talk about the 200K for an assistant. Go on, go on. Because they threw this in here. Because 200K for an assistant is supposed to sound silly. It, it's not. Tell the it's people, not. tell the it's people not. why he is an okay. Because I, I knew, I know what, we don't even have to talk about it. I know your position. Tell the people why he's properly paid. Uh, well, you know, he doesn't have much in the way of experience. He is working for a very senior, you know, he's basically the direct assistant to the guy who is running one of the largest news companies in America. He's living in New York, which already has an accelerated sa- salary attached to it. Actually, with respect to the experience, he's now had several years with the company to go up further. But again, emphasizing, he's the direct assistant report to friggin' Tom, who's running Fox News. It's like... 200,000, you know, I know it sounds like a big number, double six figures, but it isn't for this guy in this position, in this city, in this company. Yeah, I think a lot of people, not a lot of people, but, but maybe maybe some people uh, might might struggle with some of the numbers that get thrown around in the show. Everything's being talked about through the Manhattan prism, right? So it's all fuck. All the numbers are fucked up, right? Like, yes. like literally in Manhattan, doormen make ninety k a year. Like, oh, it's you all needed to live there. Like, it's all screwed up, right? Like, so like, don't take the numbers to be like what. Don't don't compare it to like you or wherever you're living, unless you live in Manhattan. I 
Yeah, I don't know, Spencer, you make a pretty compelling point. I mean, living in Manhattan, he actually, being the assistant to the head of Fox News is not like a small job. I don't know. They clearly threw this out. He's not, he's not like an intern. They're like framing as, oh my God, an intern making 200000 That's not what he is. He has a job. He has a resume. He probably has business cards. If you were writing this, would you have asked them to raise that to make the point? No, I think in some ways I liked it just because I, I think Greg doesn't have perspective to know that he could probably be demanding more. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. He, he seems satisfied at the end to take a pay cut, but still have the position. Tom threatens to get him busted down to twenty thirty k. No, no, that'd be that's below minimum wage in New York. You can't do that. Yeah. What is minimum wage in New York? Is it like it's like eighteen bucks an hour or something? I'm I'm, I'm going to double check while we're talking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so again, New York different, right? Um, Greg seems upset by this. He's, uh, he says, stop it. You know, he doesn't want, he doesn't like, he really doesn't like Tom talking about his person, his his salary. He probably, Greg probably would be very unhappy. We spend as much time as we have on his salary. Uh, Tom says, if I get fired, I think you are fucked. Tom, it's the family death march. Cut to Kendall going out on a sitting area near the water. Uh, it is $15 an hour, which at 40 hours a week for 50 weeks of the year is 30,000 bucks. Right, so he couldn't get knocked down to twenty k, unless he was some an intern. He was getting paid a stipend or something, right? Or they're going to officially label him a waiter. Yep. Tell um, tell Shiv, early bird catches the early bird catches the roam. This is what Kendall is telling Shiv. <laughs> Shiv says, "Well, you know, yeah." Kendall says, "Yeah, just a couple things you might be interested in. One, I got Stewie back." Shiv says, "Even if he's telling you the truth and you manage to get Rome in seven, still play six, so I'm not sweating it." I'll tell you this. If if the count was truly seven to six, I'd sweat it. If, if the count was seven to six, I'd be working for I'd be working twenty four hours a day to bolster that up. I want at least a margin of two or three. Here. I'm not going in with just just one. That that is that seems that, like a, un, an absolutely unnecessary risk. What what would be a number you'd be confident with? Like I got this many. I I, I can I can at least go in there without working myself to death. Three that aren't connected would make me comfortable. Like so, so, so Stewie and or Sandy and Sandy would only count as one here because they're voting as yep. a block. Roman and Kendall don't count because they're they're voting as a block. Like I would need three separate voting blocks to feel comfortable. What about you? I, some, some more kind of thing. If I had if I had eight votes that was sewn up, and then I knew that where there were like three other ones that weren't fully committed to his side, I wouldn't be like not working, but I would feel a little bit more. I, I'd feel. Less like I was under the gun. So Kendall then drops this. According to my sources, Madsen is talking to Lauren C. So this should disturb Shiv because she doesn't know this. But she lies and says she does know it. Now, she also doesn't that we know of. Now, she could have been doing some stuff off screen, but we don't. She should be digging into this, right? Like, wait a second. Why are you talking to this guy? Like, you know, there's a big there's a reason this information got to me. She should be asking some questions. Roman says, look at this fucking scorpion party. Who wants a piece of me? Pay a buck. Take a pop at the human fucking vote. It, question, by the way, it was Stewie that told Ken about Lawrence, right? Correct. The fact that Stewie is mining this information should freak Shiv all the more out. Well, here, well, we all know. I mean, we they don't even have to connect these dots, Spencer. We all know how Stewie has this information. How does Stewie have this information? Because when Madsen was jacked up on coke the night before, <laughs> it comes sort of weird sex dungeon. Stewie was there. Yes, 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 kissing other guys mm-hmm. while high. Yeah, you like fucking waffles and pancakes. I can't wait till we get to that line. Uh, so then he says, uh, Roman says, why don't I just cut my arms off? I can give you one, each of you, one of them take home with it. You can fuck off. Kendall asks if. Key emphasis here, Roman just wants to be done. 
Yeah, he does. Let's see if that plays out again later. Kendall asks if he wants to run punch. We've speculated all season if he uh, he was some version of like middle sober. It seems that he is. He is drinking the rum punch. So it seems like he's not like sober sober. He's somewhere in the middle. Um, Schiff says, I was thinking, and this is just a spitball. She says, when it goes through, she mentions the hundreds. And she's like, I could relinquish my part of the IP. So here's what she's saying, Spencer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She's going to do them a favor. Oh, yeah. yeah and yeah. she's going to let give them a project back that they could work on by relinquishing How? her IP uh, to the hundred to be nice. How gracious of her. I mean, the generosity that is at play here. Roman cuts her off to, to with the, the exact tone you just used and said, that's very thoughtful. <laughs> so you're like, what, get us a job at the mall? <laughs> Are, aren't they still buying PGN? No. Not, not no? If, well, no, not if she goes to the thing. But and they've still committed to purchase it, right? No, not if ATN goes over. Oh, because you were saying they were, they were PGN was a, PGN was a swap out for ATN, and if ATN's moving over, which it seems like it is, because he jacked. Remember, he jacked the price point to one ninety two if ATN was included. So mm-hmm. Pete, they don't have to pop PGN anymore. Okay, I was a little confused on whether that was still something that was me dedicating their money towards. Now they could they could buy it to run it. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't, <laughs> I don't think they're going to work together on anything after this episode. That's it. That's an interesting take because I a lot of I've heard I read a lot of people saying that you know they'll work it out. Da, da, da. I don't think Kendall will ever speak to Shiv again. I don't think Kendall has a. I, mean, I think he might an, die in the next couple of weeks. But it, I don't for the rest of whatever life he's got left. I don't think he'll speak to Shiv anymore. We're going to talk about Jeremy Strong being method is all like terrifying shit later on when we get to the scene. But he talked about in an interview that this was an extinction level event for Kendall. And I think that's an accurate, accurate description. I don't think Kendall has a concept of his life other than what just, just taken away from him. But whatever that ends up being, and it could be suicide the next couple of days, but whatever it ends up being, it ain't with fucking Schiff. They're dead. They're gone. They have no relationship anymore after this. So From his perspective, no one has ever betrayed him more than what she did. Shiv says she's trying to be realistic. She's talking like Spencer here because she says she's trying to find some nice shapes. Yeah, proper shapes. I'm just trying to make things square. Yeah, it's just some shapes. Like, you know, everybody, yeah. everybody talks like that. For when I'm in there, Kendall says, that's nice. And she gets more irritated. She goes, it is nice. And, you know, I actually would love for both of you to, to support me taking over the firm. So she's getting, <laughs> yeah. she's getting, getting high and mighty here. Now... Should they be supporting her and taking over the firm, Spencer? I don't think they think they've lost yet, so no. Yeah, I think that's a big ask. Um, Kendall says, uh huh. It's like, if she wins tomorrow and they didn't, you know, do what they ended up doing, they should support her thereafter after a certain period of bitterness and, you know, recrimination. But as it is, the vote has yet to been called. No, you're a rival, Shiv. Come on. Shiv says, because I'm moving forward, my kid loses access to their uncles. Roman calls that manipulative. I'd also point out that, like, I don't believe that the kid, uh, her kid has lost access to Roman. I think that Shiv could go out for a burger with Roman at the end of this thing. Like, I don't think Roman is as all consumed with this as Kendall is. Like, I think, I think that Roman's okay. Like Roman is probably okay with Shiv and he's probably okay with Kendall after both of this. I don't think the two of them are okay with each other. Roman's the most okay of the three of them by the end of this episode. Roman almost seems at peace by the end of this episode. Roman, yeah, Roman and Shiv are going to be fine. Roman's going to be the one that's floating between the two of them, assuming Kendall survives to next Tuesday. Yeah. So Kendall says, don't try to fucking play a shift. Stop fucking gloating. You've got your hands on my throat. Yeah, so don't be all fucking Joan of Waystar. <laughs> she, says, she says, 100 years war references. I love them. She says they grabbed the crown and pushed her out. 
So I don't know why I'm the cunt here. Well, cunt is as cunt does, and that is kind of, oh. that is something Mr. Rogers said a lot. So I, I am glad that they're I, I ta- tackling that, that. I'm glad they're tackling that on this show. You've asked before why I wasn't a big Mr. Rogers fan. It was that line just thrown right there in the middle of the episode, of Mr. Feely, that just I couldn't ever come back from. Yeah. That you know what it would be a nice deep dive to figure out why he didn't like Mr. Rogers. It was probably something about the stability. That, that isn't the. <laughs> it might be me at age three was worried about the stability right there. I will ask my parents and I will report back because I have no memory myself other than them telling me it's like yeah you just didn't like him. Yeah, you probably thought later episodes were a little long and inconsistent. Shiv says wow season one Cicero guy, that age. Cicero on the wheel of steel and fuck off okay I want this is the this is Shiv at her worst oh yeah. This is the, and even feeling. even if you like Shiv, you gotta admit this is at her work. Come, give me something here, people. The Shiv fans, give me something. She says, "Okay, I won, and I'm sorry for winning, but I did. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And you know what? I'm actually sorry for saying sorry. So why don't you take it like a man and just eat it? She has it won. At she best, won. at best, she's seven six. Yeah, but it's emphasizing again that her winning is trumping her siblings. That's her winning in her mind." It's her. It's finally getting what was always promised to them and always denied to her. She needs to rub their faces in it because that is her definition of victory. Because that was always what was being you know compared against is that she was the girl in the room and they were the boys. They were getting everything. It's not enough that she just gets it. She needs them to acknowledge it. She needs them to accept it. So, <laughs> uh, here's what I would be in the room. What I'd be would the, you be in this room? I'd be the guy going, well, we get a payout if we agree to this sale. If Shiv wins, we get a payout. No one acknowledges that the losers here each are worth an extra $2 billion yeah. at the end of this and episode. And like, you know, the, you get the, uh, the common retort among succession fans is to go, well, that, well, they weren't hurting for money anyway. What, what, what's more money going to do for them? Well, let me tell you what it's going to do for them. I, I, I would, want. I would love to explain that to you because the difference between being worth a billion dollars and being worth seven billion dollars is that you can own an NBA team. Like there are more things you can buy with the more money, even when you get to that scale, even when you get up there, there are things that get unlocked when you get like multiple billions. So I would be totally the guy in the corner going, I'm with Shiv because it's a payout. Kindle, if you figure out a way that I get multiple billions of dollars when you win, I'll be on your side too. Yeah, it's a, it, it, this is the ultimate scenario for it. You know, in the episode, you almost want Kindle to win because they're all teamed up and they're being, you know, friendly siblings in a way that we've never seen them before, at least only so rarely. But like, as we've often discussed, Kindle's plan's probably going to fuck it. It's like one of those things of where maybe he can pull off a reverse Gojo and buy, and buy them up. Maybe. More likely, the deal fails due to his vote and the stock price collapses immediately. Shiv is bit. Going with the Gojo deal is certain money in hand. I would have done what Shiv did. That's what yes. I keep telling everybody. I, I, I think she's right. Anyway, cut to Tom and Madsen. Tom S. Madsen, how the fish was. Those cod cheeks were a lovely opponent. You're from cod cheeks. I don't know if I've ever had cod. You've had cod. Come on, fried cod, fried fish. You've had you've had you've had it, but it's you 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 just thought it was fried fish. No, no, no. I have actively avoided fish for pretty much a long damn time. Even like fried catfish was a relatively new thing for me. It was just no fish, no fish, no fish. Then I discovered sushi, and I was like, okay, let's try what this fish thing thing is going on. Serious? I'm not kidding. You didn't years. You didn't eat fish. For not like not until I was like in my twenties, it was like, oh no, I don't like fish. Just, I just 
I had a bad experience with fish when I was little or something. I oh, wrote off fish. Oh, yeah. So, something, something disappointed you once and you wrote it off forever. Got it. Got this it. is in character. I know. Got it. Well, anyway, cod cheeks are delicious, but they're pretty expensive. Uh, but I, I, I couldn't tell you. You'll have um, to take me. Not, not the place Greg recommended. I'll, t- I'll take I'm not, I'm not sure for, so for my, for my money, I would go Chilean sea bass over cod cheeks because I feel like it's a better value for money. Um, Madsen says it was fine. Sometimes I feel like every fish in the city is the same Xerox piece of, piece of Branzino, which is a funny line. He can be funny, it's, this Madsen. It's true. It's kind of true too, you know. Tom the, says, the, the, the false advertising associated with fish in restaurants is legendary. Oh yeah, for sure. Never frozen. Give me, I, 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 bullshit. I just don't ever believe it. I just, when I hear that, it goes one ear out the other. Um, Tom's is totally, totally. Yeah. I just, I, I, I think we may have been badly advised. I think Greg fucked it. So he's going to blame Greg. Um, mm-hmm. but you know, that is part of that 200 K a year job is, uh, figuring uh, well, out, figuring out the, uh, the fish that they, they're going to eat tonight. Okay. Let's, let's also bear in mind here. If Tom, if Tom is actually saying that he trusts Greg's recommendation on food, Tom, that's on you. You, you mocked him for the California pizza kitchen back in season one. It hasn't been that long. I don't, I don't believe he's improved his taste since then. Madsen asked him to soft pitch. She said, can you soft pitch me on yourself? The main slide. Tom says, oh, on me, as in my value to keep me? Sure, I can, I can sing for my supper. So, go ahead. Notably, Tom, Tom did not do, we, we, we mocked Tom for this a few episodes back that he couldn't do this. That Madsen gave him an opportunity to do this and Tom just tried to say he said, whatever well, what? no, he, he said, what, what, whatever you like. What, what do you like? Yes. He dodged the question. Tom answers the question here twice and I think it matters. I I actually think like this is the be- this is the best interaction anybody has had with Madsen because yes. it's what Madsen is looking for. He's actually like he's actually more simple than I think they all think he is in in the sense that he just he just wants people to run an efficient company, right? And he doesn't and want do to he, and do what they're told and do what they're told, right? And not not think they're the boss, right? And so he says, I squeeze the cost, juice the revenue, follow the boss, I digest strategy and implement for cruises, for example, if shit gobbling and firefighting. Which is basically for cruises, like it's like taking shit for like mm-hmm. all the past stuff that happened, et cetera, et cetera, and firefighting, putting out fires within the within the department. And ATN and, is money. ATN is and just eating print- it where necessary. ATN's printing money. I'm cutting heads and harvesting eyeballs. I give the customer what he wants. If they want red meat and boiling tar, then hmm, on a hang, I think that's okay. And then Lucas says, on a hang level, what would you say you are? I'm a grinder. I grind because I worry. I worry all night about everything. All the threats about to my about my division about to me my physical body and I have an excess of vis, excess of vigilance, I think, and I have a very high tolerance for pain and physical discomfort. That that line, I'm a grinder. I grind because I worry. I worry all night about everyone, everything. Probably resonates with seventy percent of people in the workforce. Oh yeah, most that, that's people. A- I know it does me. I know it does you. Like I, I think there's, I think that a lot of people. Um, whatever relative success they find in their jobs, this is a big part of it because they, they really genuinely do care. They take professional pride in what they do and they worry. And like that, that I think that resonates with the audience. I think it resonates with the audience. I think it's also just such a fundamental statement of God's honest truth that man, does it resonate with Matson too? I, like you, like you said, I, th- I think this is the perfect way to charm or at least tell Matson actually what he wants to hear without blatantly appearing such. And it also comes across as remarkably honest. Tom's in the interview right now, and he's killing it. He's doing a good job. Mask and ask him, can you be discreet? So he is doing a good job, but it's going to culminate in one very difficult question. 
he said he was a sh- he said he was wanting to be a shit eater, and here it comes. So, so the thing is with Shiv, votes coming up. Can we just keep this close to her chest? Look, I, I, it's all fine, but this thing with her, it's it's a bit too much, you know. I, um, oh, the cartoon? Is it the cartoon? Uh, no, she was just pushy. No, no, not the cartoon. I don't care about the cartoon. The cartoon's funny. I, I, she was just really pushy on the India tactics. At first, I thought like you know, family continuity would be like an upside, you know. But it, but yeah, you know, she's smart. But I got plenty of ideas. Okay, I don't I don't know if I need more ideas. So he's telling you right there, he doesn't want a partner. He doesn't want <laughs> he, uh, he the R and D budget is low. He doesn't need no, new I, ideas. I, I'm the idea man. I need you to be a loyal drone. That's what I'm after. Then here. he says a th- stupid thing, but Tom is right to let him say it and not, uh, you know, doesn't doesn't on comment on it. Yeah, doesn't I do the shit mocking him for it. I wouldn't comment on it, although it is a stupid thing to say. He says he, and you know, first I needed the political connections, but turns out that's easy. Oh, okay, all right, yeah, cool, cool. All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You, yeah. You, you did great with all that. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, it's yeah. You you really knocked it out of the park with Meekin, who who by the way, it sounds like isn't going to be president anyway. Uh, if Matson had his way, would the India would would we would be in a world where Kindle would be revealing the Indian information at the board meeting? Maybe that's with them in the world. Maybe, but I yeah, I don't know. Um, or Shiv might have leaked it. He says the thing with Shiv is you know she's somewhat uh we're a bit clickety clickety, and we're a what bit. Does that mean? Well, we're a bit. Uh, I want to fuck her a little bit. He says oh, a that, little bit yeah. at the end of that. Just a little bit. <laughs> a little Just bit. a little bit. Little Just bit. the tip. Just the tip. A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to get weird. And under the right circumstances, I think she'd fuck me too. Now, this is the moment where uh, an awful he's, lot of people. He's testing it. Awful lot. Yeah, because he, when he said, I want somebody shit, he, like, he served him would, a pile of shit oh, and said, go ahead and need, need it right now. Me, would you let me fuck your wife with a smile on your face? Oh, yeah. Okay. Tom says, yeah. yeah I believe Tom you. says, yeah. And I actually have this in my notes. I honestly think this is where he earns the CEO position. Because Madsen is just making him uncomfortable, and Matt, and Tom just goes, "No, no, no, we're men." That's the only thing you could think to say. I think um, I give him best you can say. I, that. I give him a pass on any sort of comeback here with this. I mean, he's he's taking this. Uh, uh, it's tough. Madsen says he can't deal with all the weirdness, but if he can get anywhere in the world, why don't I get a guy with the baby instead of her instead of the baby lady? So a couple couple things here. Calling her the baby lady is tough and borderline probably illegal. Um, here's the. thing. This is fucked up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, this is real fucked up. Because what he's saying is, I can't have her around because I can't trust myself not to be inappropriate with her. Yeah, I can only have one Eva, and that, that's that's rough and difficult enough as is. So you know, I don't want to. I don't want to risk me in that. You know what this is? This is the this is the this is the executive. Let's just shits and giggles make him a white man. Okay. Who yep, uh, who who gets gets pinged for sexual harassment in the workplace? Okay, yeah, and on. thinks the answer to that is the fire every woman in the company. <laughs> God, that is sadly happened on many places. It has happened a lot. That is, and by the way, wrong. Uh, out of sight, out of mind. You know, you don't want to be alone in a room with an unmarried woman. It's just inviting problems. Because the answer isn't for him to control himself. It's uh, it's it, to change everything around it, him. It's the Mike Pence philosophy for gender relations. <laughs> Look at you. Like, you did it, Spencer. You did I it. I feel dirty. You did it's it. the last episode. I'm throwing yeah, off the I don't, You know, I don't know if they're talking about Mike Pence there. It could be either side. I don't know. It could be, it could be either <laughs> no, side. No, no, no. I, I went out. You have to hold there. <laughs> Tom just says, right, right. Well, I, I could do it. I could definitely, definitely easily do it. Madsen says he needs an American. He doesn't want to scare the horses. Madsen says, Minkin likes Tom. 
says, I'm not looking for a partner. I'm looking uh, for you know a front who did man. that? Greg did that. I'm not looking for a partner. I'm looking for a front man. Because we're going to cut shit close to the bone. We're going to get right fucking in there. It's going to get so nasty. I need a pain sponge. And he says, when I'm under the hood doing what I love, and he like makes it a thing like he's typing on a computer, and we know that we know from me about that this is a lie. Uh, spot it's, the lie. He doesn't code. He doesn't know how to do this. This is a mask he puts on, an image. Tom says he can do it. Matt said, Logan Mark II. Instead, this time he's fucking sexy. How about that? <laughs> Again, I this is one of the fun moments of where throughout the episode, no one ever talks about Tom. Everyone's just going through different options. But after this conversation... <laughs> I was dead in. It's like, Tom's got the job. I don't think Matson's going to back out of this. I, I felt pretty good that he had the job, too. Yeah. I, th- I didn't that, know that Matson was going to win. I still wasn't sure of that. That, that. that different question, yeah. But I was like, no, I don't think he's going to shiv Tom. I think he. I, I think Tom. if, if Matson's able to pull this off, Tom's got a job. Wonderful use of the term shiv there. That was a dual meaning. In the, in the the On the fly. Wonderful done. Wonderfully done. Therefore. Uh, Greg comes up. Um, well, no. Then it's shot time, of course. Then we have to do some shots. Yeah, we all have to absolutely. do some shots. Yeah, let's get... And Greg's over. You got to have Greg for shot. You, if you're going to do shots, you got to bring Greg. I, it's just... But listeners of the you, Mango you, Talks podcast... You, you don't know, drink. Know that no. I don't drink. But if... Uh, if, if, if Theoretical world, uh, I'm doing shots. Greg is the guy I want to do shots with. Obviously. If you guys went to a soda bar together, you'd bring Greg. Uh, he, yeah, because that's what us non-drinkers do. We go to soda bars and we take, we take yes. shots of Mountain Dew and get wild. It's a real crazy night. <laughs> I, I'm assuming, yes. It's a wonderful party. Now let's discuss the single the best smartest thing. thing. It's the best thing all episode. It really is. Isn't this fucking wonderful? This is the, this is the most genius thing. Talk us through it. Tell show. us about it. Okay, so they're sitting down. They've invited Greg over for shots because, of course, you do, whether it's Mountain Dew or, you know, whiskey. Who, who knows? Who says? Who knows? And they start talking in Swedish. Greg, very relatively subtly, pulls up an app that he's pre-installed on his phone. Shout out, Greg. Sets it going and puts it discreetly so it can just overhear as they're commenting. And Notice he has to going- set it to uh, Swedish to... English. He actually has to yeah. make that set. He does the setting, and then does, he lets does, it fly. Again, does it a, a d- d- deftly. No one noticing a thing. They're chatting. The drinks are coming. Greg's participating while looking down every now and then as he sees them straight up say, how are we going to handle letting Shiv know that she's not got the position or something like that? How much does that man make a year? Uh, not enough. Not enough. <laughs> Spencer thinks it's not enough now. now. I love it. You When you get a position, you double down. <laughs> again, Greg makes a power play here late in this episode where he basically just says, you know, Ken, I need a lot. I need you to, like, give me a lot here. And I'm straight up with him is that Greg, almost single-handedly, makes it possible for Ken to go into that room and win. Yeah, so I didn't watch this episode live. And I have this bad habit of, like, if I'm not watching an episode live, I, I can't stay off Twitter. I just, I'm checking it, and I'm, like, hoping to be spoiled. I'm, like, hoping to be spoiled a little bit, or pretending like I'm not trying to be spoiled. But sure, anyway, yeah. yeah, it's just a game I play with myself. Anyway, Twitter was going ape shit about this move from Greg. They were very pleased with All Greg's time. move. So here's what he discovers through the app. Here's what he's he's getting translated. You got, you got the exact quote? You reading the text messages at all times. Yeah, absolutely. Text message detective over here. It says, I think it works. How are you going to do live? Yes, when you tell her it won't be her. And that's when Greg looks up astonished and we cut away. And Greg... 
I don't know if Greg sing dollar signs right here, but he damn well should. Because in terms of the information gathering that he's gotten previously on the show, and he's gotten some big things, this one's a whole other level. This is world-changing. So when you... All right, so Spencer, uh, I've met your mother. Yeah. She seems fucking awesome. Lovely. Uh, yeah, so when you go home and she's like, honey, can you please come home? I'm going to have the whole family over. We're going to have a big dinner. In, in Barbados, When you sit down... What's on the table? What what is on the table? She's yeah. like cooking us nice. No, no, no. Just like generically, like is it? Is it? Oh, like, what's is just it? on the yeah, yeah. Does she have like what? What she have on the table? Uh, typically, it's like a little vase. It's either a uh, depending on the, t- the no, season. No, the food shifts. Oh, for food for dinner or just when I first walk in the room and I've arrived. I think home. you're overthinking it. She puts a lot of food on the table. I would imagine. Yes, she does. Okay, I get your point. Yes, yes. it is a full spread. It's meant to, it's part presentation. You, you've seen it. You were I have seen saw it when she did lunch. Yes, she. Yeah, it was a lot of food. I I imagine when your mom says, "Come on over, I'm gonna have a lot of food for you." Right? It, like my it, mom it, does the same thing. My mom has dinner for me. It's a lot of food. Caroline, the Hispanic at, mom at, experience. Caroline yes. at every and this well, it ain't, it, also Southern American. <laughs> my mom puts a lot of food on the table too. <laughs> this is true. Yes. And, uh, and, it's a lot of moms in different cultures. Really, but, it's part of the experience. I think it's. A mom thing, right? Yes, it, it, and that's why Caroline's so great because every step of the way, she Nothing. is a shit mom, right? Nothing. She literally comes out with one little thing of food and says, "Hearty food at modest rations." I knew you wouldn't be hungry in this heat. We'll fill up on brekkie. It's like, and as they find out later in her fridge, she has nothing. She's heavy food there. Nothing at all. She's nothing she's at all. made she this big deal for other people to make it. I, this might seem like a small point to some people, but I found this fascinating. She made this whole big deal about can I get? Look, I know you all are having a tough time right now. What's the family's together? fractioning? Let me, let you just lost your you. your father. Look, come over. Mom's gonna take care of you. Right? You would think. She big doesn't meal. have a jar of olives in the fridge. She's got like nothing, and she actually says it like, "Ah, I don't really have much for you." Her reserves, <laughs> as we see later, are the ends of bread frozen in the freezer. That's that's what we're drawing she from here. She sucks, Caroline. Oh God, she's she sucks in a way that's just like chef's kiss. Perfect. Oh, it, it's perfectly realized at every point. So then they they bicker back and forth a little bit about like what they need to get back to do. Is it to stop Shift from selling the birthright? Is it to carry on Dad's thoughts and wishes? Caroline says, can we just not? She says she's happy to have them all there. She says, for what it's worth, maybe I'm wondering if this offer from that awful man isn't an opportunity to say, you know, farewell, open a new chapter. That's always been my view. That would be my view, too, because that would come with a billion dollar check. Kendall asked well, if I'm, they could what get What do an, they actually care about, sir? That's the issue. Yeah, it doesn't seem that. Kendall asked if they can get an apology for Italy, which I like to see that that, that was addressed again. Because Caroline uh, did fuck them. She fucked all yeah, three of them. She, I mean, like, Tom, Tom got the credit, but Carolyn was the one that actually made it happen. Yeah, functionally, she made it happen, and she fucked all three of them. And it, what, this wasn't a Kendall versus Schiff thing at that point. It was all three kids versus Logan, and she went with Logan. Yeah, anyway, Before but... Mike, straight, straight up bought off, too. But Kendall... Shiv points out, hey, look, it is kind of consistent because she's been saying all along that y'all, we just need to sell. We just need to get rid of this thing. And at the time, siding with Logan was to push the sale through, right? Yes. Um, it's also very self-serving for Shiv to adopt this perspective on her mom right now, given how much she hates her mom. It is, but she, she she's still right. She, she's not wrong. Yeah, she's still right. Um, Kendall drops this line in. Is this what it is? You're going to try to tie mommy's apron strings around Roman's nuts? Caroline says they're going to get Peter and Jonathan. Yeah, Roman's right here. He's right. He's sitting there. All right, so Spencer, uh, I am going to go on a vacation here in a couple of months to lovely Charleston, South Carolina. Lovely town. Now, um, 
I'm no Greg. Uh, and, um, mm-hmm. I have a budget on how much I can spend on these vacations. So guess what I got to do when I get to Charleston, I'm going to hang out for a day. Then I got to go in this little conference room and they got to tell me all about these really fancy timeshares that they have. And I got to tell them no repeatedly for about two hours. And then I can go have the rest <laughs> of my vacation and I can have to go rest of my vacation. And this yes, is how we, I get a cheap vacation. We've all done that. Apparently they're getting the same thing because in comes Peter and Jonathan. <laughs> Look at it that way, but yeah, it's a straight timeshare presentation. In computer and Jonathan to give them the the pitch. Um, and I got oh tell my you. god, it's a straight timeshare presentation. I hadn't thought about it that way. It is. Kendall smells a pitch too right away. He goes, "Is this a pitch, Peter? It might seem inappropriate, but check this out, Spencer. And this is this is rock solid logic. It's yeah, it's actually not because your oh, mother yeah. has allowed me to get to you before the vultures because the margins on this thing are so creamy. Uh, off the creamy. Cuts. Creamy margins. That's not even a real saying. Creamy margins. That's not. A, that's not a it, it real is thing. Now I'm going to use it. It's a nothing thing. Creamy margins. I, I could picture Roman saying something as creamy margins. I couldn't. <laughs> it might be a thing for him. Kendall's I, phone rings, and Roman I, mockingly chastises him. Come on, Ken. This is really interesting, Ken. This guy's trying to get a, get ahead of them now having you know several billion dollars each that he wants them to invest in his investment company, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what it is. Okay. Yeah. He's got a, he's got some sort of um. It, so I, I actually got a lot of the background um, dialogue written down. So I think we actually know what this pitch is. It seems to be a pitch for a um, assisted living or nursing home company mm-hmm. that. Is the shits that isn't good to the, that is low cost, that isn't good to the residents that are there. It's not, it's not living plus. It is far from living plus. Okay. Ken walks and answers his phone. Craig explains that he's in the center of the fucking universe with knowledge to take down the civil system, man. Kendall, sure, man, that's great. Craig says, if I give you something incredible, would you give me something amazing? Which is basically contract language. It's so airtight. Kendall says, yeah, sure. Like what? Craig explains that he is. In fact, serious. And it is amazing, Kindle. Messing. Uh, or no, he is amazing, Kindle. Um, messing the things up. Uh, Greg says, uh, it's amazing, Kindle. Yeah, that's why I'm going to give you something incredible. Uh, Greg says he would need a... Basically, can you guys... Win? Everything. It's it's really funny how he like he, he tips his hand as to what he's thinking, right? He says, can you guys win? You in Rome? And could I quad it up like full quads? It's explain to people what quad means. He wants to be a full partner in this. He, he, I mean, he talked about, you know, let's be the quad with respect to him being the fourth among the three main siblings. He wants to be an equal partner in this enterprise. Quad it up. Obviously, Kendall's not going to give him. But what he's meaning is that I can make this happen. And you need to recognize that in terms of the reward that you throw my way. No 200k pittance surviving on rats yeah, getting the street kind of money. <laughs> Like, yeah, like at the at the bread at the bread the line. Throw at you as you walk past. His, his kind of poor, funny. his poor two hundred k. Poor, poor Greg. I feel so bad for you. Uh, it's straight up Oliver Twist. Uh, is the world that Greg is living in here, and he needs to find a way out. Kendall cuts right through it. Says, "Take a shot." Greg says, "Okay, buckle up." We don't get the reveal because we cut back to Jonathan, who is crushing it, and says they are going to be skating very close to the wind, but they are confident mm-hmm. that no one can, you know. Like you could say, get them. Do you? I love. <laughs> I love when people do this. They say, um, uh, "So Spitzer, I'd like to say uh, technical term here. Get us oh, on this. Get us. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I, if you I could, if you could understand that language, if you could understand that business school speak. Uh, Peter says in the background that 
the background, the tax wrapper around this vehicle offer around this vehicle offers is a way of turning these residents dot, dot, dot. So this is, it's not just fucking crazy as fuck that these people are doing a pitch in the middle of this family dinner. They're pitching a morally sketchy business model, which yeah, is we're getting shit we're, home. A, a shit nursing home that we're getting big tax breaks on. Like these uh, people really do suck. Then uh, it's Kendall. I had such hopes for daddy. I had such hopes for him. Daddy's not a good guy. Uh, then it's Kendall calling. A recurring someone. theme on this show. <laughs> yeah, it is. You might make that a tagline. Uh, then it's Kendall calling <laughs> someone. He says, if there's any veracities when he's saying, don't say anything, just don't say anything. Oh, Kendall's talking to other people. Nothing, nothing. Beat, beat, cut back. Peter explains. Leah, I got to say, any, any show that has daddy is not a good guy is a very different show than what I'm usually expecting here. <laughs> well, it is HBO. Yeah. Uh, Peter explains that their facilities won't offer everything you dream of in a fantasy yeah. care home, but it will afford what I say is, uh, you know, quote, a really solid basic level of care, not necessarily what one would want for oneself. <laughs> Definitely not living close here. He says, we're not going to offer you the bells and whistles. And then that's the end. Like, so that we got enough here to figure out what this fucking bullshit thing is. So, something I don't want my money touching. I, yeah, I just really want to know when Peter leaves Caroline and how much money he takes with him when he leaves. I just need Come to know on. the timeline for that. Um, Kendall walks in and pulls Shiv out. Rome asks, can I be saved as well? Shiv, sorry, this is very captivating. Kendall, you're going to want to hear this. It's serious. What do you think of this move? That when Kendall finds out that Shiv is being fucked here in this deal with yeah. Madsen, he goes right to her and tells her truthfully. What do you think of that? I think it's, I think it's a very smart play. I think, I think, I think it is, it's very effective in terms of rapidly getting her on their side. I think it shouldn't be the, the end of the plays that he makes. So like you noted earlier, I think he makes a serious mistake in sitting on his laurels here on after once he gets Shiv on their team. But just going to somebody with information that, you know, benefits you to have and just revealing it to them, hands open, honest, in a way that they can just run with and let, let them process can be a very effective move, and I think it works out in the moment quite effectively for him. I think there's another way to do this, which is Shiv isn't going to get... She's a board vote. She's a board vote, right? She's not going to get to the vote without learning the extent of Matson's plan because he has to submit that plan to the board. Yes. So she's going to learn before the vote that she's not the American CEO. Run that as close as you can up to the end to give her don't catch her angry on tilt to catch her angry exactly get catch her mad at Madsen because it she fifteen minutes from now she would have voted for Kendall. It it, it, that that is actually probably ultimately true. It's just I think I would prefer to actually have you want me or what actually working with me. Oh, but Kendall can't make that happen. No, because so he's Kendall. That's, that's probably true. That's, that's a good call. Yeah. Anyway, Caroline explains that uh, the fish will be gummy when they get back. Don't, don't, I wish they hadn't thrown this in here. That amount of fish. I wish they hadn't thrown that in here because Spencer won't eat fish now for the next 20 years. Uh, sounds gross. The, the, the evil effects that Carolyn has in everybody. Kendall, you're going to you're gonna want to confirm. Anyway, he explains, look, he's fucking with you. It's a confirmed source, number of contacts. Again, he dials that well for the strategy that he's undertaking. He's like, just check yourself. I'm not putting anything on you. I'm not trying to browbeat you. No gaslighting here. I'm giving you the information. You go vet it. And she does. And rapidly sees that she's been fucking redacted from the announcement. Yeah. I mean, Kendall has the benefit of the truth being on his side here, but he does play yes. this. If the plan is to tell her now, he 
He plays that as well. He plays it as well as he can. Yes. So Shiv is talking as the phone rings. Yeah, yeah, because she's going to call Madison. Desperate shit here. See this, see this, see this. And it's it's one of those you know great scenes where she's like talking and talking, and it's just dawning on her as the phone continues to ring. All, all her ring, hopes ring, are collapsing. Ring. Yeah, it's like this was her one chance. This was the one chance that she could win, that she could get what she's always aspired to, that's always been denied her. The moment that it's revealed that Matson has screwed her over, Shiv's already lost. It's just a question of what consolation prize she can get attached to that. Kendall tells her to call Carolina. They've erased her from the New Deal announcement draft. Kendall, it's shitty, Shiv. It's shitty. She walks off. Rome asks if it's a move. Is it real? Kendall says, yeah, it's real. Rome asks who instead. Kendall says a few faces. Lawrence, Klein, one of those two. Kendall says he doesn't know who else. He'll know soon. It's interesting. I'm guessing Matson doesn't go high, doesn't go out and get high after this because no one finds out it's Tom until Tom Strip tells Shiv. Yeah, he does. He actually does keep that one close. Rome says, "With her, uh, things are things are back." Kendall says, "As long as she can recalibrate." Then they hear Shiv yell in the background, and Kendall goes, "I think it's game on." So they're Fair. talking about is she back in the fold with us? Basically, Shiv says, "Fucking call me back." She looks at the copy of the announcement, and there is no US CEO named in it. She's been moved, removed from the announcement. Just a collection of X's now. Kendall's talking to Rome. I think it's just hard for her. Rome. Yeah, it's very apparent. That's a real thing. Kendall says they should lay it out for her. Shiv comes it's interesting, it's interesting how much more engaged Roman now gets from here. So Roman was like barely even paying attention, was just trying to avoid the conversation. The moment this happens, Rome's suddenly like la- almost laser focused in terms of this deal here going on going forward. He likes it when they're all three together. He very much does. He likes it when they're all working together. He feels a lot more uncomfortable when they're splitting. Um, yes. So she says, what do we do now? And she's like, we, and you know, like, you know, from Kendall, I guess strategically, it does make sense. I mean, she's a board vote. She potentially has sway. I don't know. There might've been a part of me being like, we, we just want some, we, we, there's no, Mm -hmm. we damn it. Like you, you, you've been, you were just dancing in my face 20 minutes ago. (laughs) Again, he's being pragmatic here. He's trying, he's trying to get what he needs. No one, no other board member is close by. He needs these two in his camp. He's so she, committed to these two. She doesn't want people to look at her in this moment because I think she's getting kind of like she's that sort of frustrated, emotional. Well, she's also embarrassed. She well, was so course. damn cocky a minute ago, and now that she has to come hat in hand to these guys that are now holding all the cards. Yeah, Rome says maybe they can get larger. Tell us. She says she doesn't want either of them. Why? Because Tellus stinks. I hate Tellus. I detest Tellus. He's the worst. He's so, the so worst, right? Tellus. He does suck, right? Uh, well, yeah, but let's call him. Yeah, we got to call well, him. Let's just call him. Let's, call, let's, let's pay him his, like, thousands of dollar an hour rate to advise us on these things. She says, In fairness, tell us, gives him some pretty solid advice here. Well, he does, but it doesn't seem like he's doing high-level calculus. I mean, it, is this something that it, I couldn't have pulled together? I'm not sure. Could, could she have just on the fly? Who knows? But tell us did it. It, it, again, it's not it, it's not expert wisdom here, but it's nice it's a nice distillation of what they need to know going forward. Shiv says this is ugly, this is bad, and it honestly doesn't feel great. And yeah, I believe it doesn't. Um, okay, so Kendall then says this: it's a non prejudicial. This is friend level briefing. Clean up one side, downside, or legal action. Uh, side effects may include a fat fucking consultation fee. Uh, uh, uh. He's making the no no motion to yeah. his kid to to Romanship. So I'm trying to mine yeah. him for free advice. <laughs> this makes sense about U.S. CEO him changing lanes. Tellus doesn't know Shiv's on the call and says from his point of view he doesn't need the name. He does he needs chops and Shiv doesn't have Shiv's here. Shiv's here. 
<laughs> Fucking tell us. Du- Quick, quickly dialing back. Ah, so, uh, sorry, ship. I just mean in terms of the names being discussed and uh, they make. What, uh, what she, she cuts them off. She's just cut to the chase. Tell us as they're counting votes. Those three as a voting block. I have you and I have Paul. I have Dewey. I think, and then Stewie. Pretty sure. Tell us as well. Was a floating block. You could threaten to kill it. So yeah, you have the whip hand. Shiv asks about leadership. He says, look. You need to present a coherent plan to the board, including your leadership candidate. She mentions a combination. So they're going back to that. She wants to go back to that idea of like yeah. multiple people. And, and he goes, look, and that, at, Rome finally, what? Rome knows this because yeah. he's probably gotten indirect feedback and he says, just fucking say it, man. And he goes, it hasn't been great for credibility. The incredible yeah. fuck brother bandwagon. Even the duo hasn't been great, much less the Troika that she's still hoping for here. No, it's not. It, this isn't a good idea. Roman wants to know who actually calls them that. Shiv, everyone. <laughs> so it says, Behind your back, so constantly. They, they need to look like a coherent block with one name, one strong name for CEO, either combined with a chair or a chair with business chops, is what I would say. Off the record, Kindle hangs up. Shiv says, well, there are a few ways through this. I thought he gave him some sound advice here. Yeah, he does. I, th- I, I, I wish they'd actually listen to some advice here rather than Kindle just being cocky at the board meeting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it would, yeah. But I think I think they do listen to it, right? It's just they don't. By the time they get, they don't to, execute on it. They think yeah. they've already won. Yeah. By the time they get there, Ken's just out of his mind. Um, you know, and Ken goes about making the point here, and I, don't, I won't go through the entire thing, but he says, "Look, I, I think it should be me, right?" Um, they talk a little bit about who Logan said it should be. Roman says, "Well, just just recently, he said it should be me." Shiv says, "Well, at one point, he said it should be me." Roman, you know, Kendall says, "Well, when I was seven, he said it should be me." Look. The truth is, and this is what we know as the audience for some time, is, carrot, that, Lo- carrot, carrot. is that Logan was using the the concept of succeeding him to manipulate his three kids, and he never had any plans for any three of them to take over. He didn't. No, he didn't he, respect any of the three of them. And I don't. I think Logan was so self centered. He he didn't particularly care who succeeded him because he would be gone. Yeah, it's the Otto von Bismarck. The only flaw in his logic was not imagining a world with himself in it. He. His ego was too massive to ponder that he could actually exit the world and there'd be an after him, or he, that it wouldn't matter. He had no interest in in thinking about what the company would look like without him. So he never it, he never seriously considered his succession plan, I don't think. It was a tool of manipulation and nothing else. And I think, I mean, Shivs just straight up says that here, here later on, and I think they're all kind of realizing that. But particularly for Kendall, we're seeing just that what that promise at age seven before he has any capacity to understand what the hell that means, other than it's everything that I should now build my life around. What a profound effect that would have on his psychology. Shiv has these moments where she cuts through and becomes a real human for like a couple seconds. Because when Kendall says he told me at seven, I think, I think, I think Shiv believes him. Yeah. That Logan told that Shiv gets real serious and says, no, he should not have said that. Like, yeah, and she always says it, it. Shiv goes right to it's like no, that's not okay. And he says it. She says it like real, like kind of quiet, almost just to Kendall. Like no, he shouldn't have said that. And Kendall kind of nods and is like, yeah, he shouldn't have. And they all say, look, he said a lot of things. Kendall then asks Rome if he even wants it, which is a fair question. But Roman or Kendall uses the funeral as an example of why he isn't the right isn't guy for the job. It. And I feel like. There's a million different reasons why Roman isn't up to the job. Hey, I got one. How about the fact you never answer an email, Roman, as established on this podcast? Roman really <laughs> hates fucking emails. He probably never has answered an email in the last five years. Like, he does a lot of stupid shit. 
the, you know, the funeral isn't the best example. And Roman calls him on it. He says, because I yeah. cried a little bit at my father's funeral. I'm totally fucked forever. That doesn't seem right. They're both right here because Roman is making a good point. He shouldn't be fucked forever because what you do at your father's funeral, that should be, that should be, that should be fine. Sacrosanct. She should get a pass for that. But he also isn't the right guy for the job. Yeah. Kendall says it absolutely does not make you a person, make you a bad person. Maybe it makes you a good person that you weren't snaking at the funeral. Maybe you're well adjusted and I'm a business psycho. I feel like there's something to that because I, as weird as Roman is, I think he's better adjusted than Shiv and Kendall. Would you say that's fair? I think he has better perspective on himself than either of them have. So I think he, that's I, better I, I, adjusted. Yeah, I, I think from a certain twisted degree, it's not necessarily good adjusted, but it's a more stable form of adjusted. It's a more conscious idea of what he actually wants. I think Kindle's at two percent, Shiv's at seven, Roman's at thirty-three. None of these it, people are re- getting passing relative. Grades. They all get relative ahead. <laughs> they all get asked, but he's ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Kindle says, um, "Look, I, I, it's a fucking horrible job that clearly kills you. I'm just trying to guide us through the years to some truth here." Roman calls him a fucking cheese ball, and here's the thing: like Kindle. He slips into truth and he slips out of truth as he's talking here. He's kind of like pendulum swinging. Because the truth is, he wants it because he wants it. Because he wants Which he to be, says. Because he, he does say that. But any he, every once in a while, he'll slide over to this thing of, I'm doing it for us and our family and our legacy and, our, and your kids. And all that's bullshit. But, but of course, I also want it. But, you know, all these other things. Yeah, Kendall says he loves her. Oh, because then Roman leaves. Kendall looks at Shiv and says he can't say it. He doesn't want it, but he can't say it. And I love that line. That's wonderful. I think it's very true. She says, what about me? And Kendall says, I love you. But they, we simply cannot walk in there saying we are blocking his offer and they have this compelling vision. And we say that leading it is you. When yesterday you were singing his song, we simply can't. I think that's true. But think she that's knows it's true. Yes. She knows it's true. She, cause I think if Shiv didn't think that was true, she'd push back, but she knows that's not, that, that doesn't make any sense. They can't win with that. That literally she's, she's in magazine articles about how close to, she, to Madsen she is with quotes like Shiv gets him and he likes it. And then right. they're going to, they're going to flip and two days later, she's going to walk into the boardroom and say he's the wrong guy for the company. Uh-uh. Yeah, that doesn't work. Yeah, I, or even two days later, they're going to come with this, with this person who apparently, who had, who had the puppet cut his own strings. It, it's, it's not a good look. No. And they say they can't pick Roman because he lacks heft and he looks pathetic and he might flop. All of that at times is true, sadly enough. So obviously I want it to be me, but honestly, I think anyone else would say it should be me. I would say this for my guy Kendall. Can I, I'm just going to, I've been dogging him a lot this episode because he deserves it. Mm-hmm. He is right that if you have to pick one of the three, that's the, and that's the flaw in the whole logic because you don't have to pick one of the three. No. But if you have to pick one of the three in this particular situation on this particular day, nay, at this particular hour, said <laughs> Sarah, Okay. This okay. It's exact good. time on okay. this island in the middle of the Caribbean. <laughs> so when you put fifty thousand fucking parameters around it, yes, Kendall, it should be you. But when well, you it, when you break down any of those other parameters, no, it shouldn't be you. This is also Kendall at his most tolerable. I think right about here in this moment in the episode because he's striving. He doesn't think he has it. He's having to work for it. He's yes. having to make a pitch. When he's reaching up, he. I actually like him. It's his mo- it's, 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 it's him, it's him and his, this is the kernel of Kindle we've liked going through several seasons. At this moment, enjoy it here. And that's, this, the moment they get off this island, it disappears. And that's the brilliance of the writing, because they show us just enough to get so, uh, some amount of the audience, myself included at times, rooting for siblings the guy. Siblings as well. Rooting, siblings as well love, love him in this moment. Rooting for the guy. But the, 
with it, it, they keep it consistent, but they also flip you back where you fucking can't stand them. Yes. Shiv says, you know, he says we could have a cool structure like kingdoms, fiefdoms. He's saying if they pull the reverse Viking, it'll be the best. And he offers ATN the news to Shiv, social media to raise offer in the world. Because again, he thinks yes. he is reaching up. He could, he could be generous once he has you know, the you, entire world in his hands. You know what would have been really smart for him to do in this moment when he's in a giving mode? Mm. Call fucking Frank. Start giving Frank. I, I feel like all you have to do is he give... Could have, he could have called every damn board member and said, Shiv's my team now. Yeah. So. Hey, hey, Frank, I'll give you this massive golden piercer. I'll give you this, you know, yeah. I'll give you this COO job or I'll give you something, you I, know, something that, you know, because Frank is here for the money. He made, remember that wonderful moment after Frank had quit and he said he might go back to work because of the money? Jerry, that's like, why are you here? And he actually told Kendall that. He's like, I'm in, I'm in here for the money. Like Kendall knows this about Frank. All you have to do is offer him money and he's got money to spare because he's going to run the company. It's stupid. With him, what they should have done here is that now that Shiv is in their camp, they should have called every other board member tonight and just say, we got seven. We got seven. We have the seven now. Shiv has gone over to our camp. She knows that Matson's going to screw her. The deal's not going to happen. What can I offer you just so we can make this unanimous? They Once they've got this card, they have to play it. But instead, they just sit content that they've got the winning hand. Because the the... the... The way this, because I think the people who, the Shiv supporters, are creating this narrative that like, well, well, she got to pick the CEO as if that was somehow really strategic on her part. But the fact of the matter is, she got to pick the CEO because of where she sat in the room, like at like and and how which way Frank started the voting. This wasn't calculated on her part. This wasn't like some grand scheme that like unfolded. Frank happened to start going to his left on the voting. She yeah. sat down to she sat down to his right or what you know right left right left right. He went to the right. And yeah, like, yeah. yeah, he he went to the right. She had sat at his left. <clears throat> And that's why she was able to make the call at the end. It wasn't because of her grand strategy or her forward thinking. No, Sorry. And, and, and again, we're going to get there. But everyone who's saying that Shiv, you know, she won here. She got to pick her the CEO. She's in a position of power. If you're calling Shiv winning, her voluntarily picking up the mantle of her mother? I, I don't understand where you're coming from here. Shiv just got to pick what realm of hell she's living in. It's it, it's people who are looking for that. <clears throat> They're watching the finale. Like, can what can I latch onto to to forward my narrative, which is that Shiv is the smartest. Shiv is going to win. Shiv, like, that's what it is. Anyway, it's it's all it's also relies on you just not believing Kendall that he's not going to give her what he's promising her. It's like only way that even works is not, is like her picking a viable alternative is you just or tr- completely don't believe Kendall is either going to wreck the company or just not offer Shiv what he's promising her here. Yeah. And by the way, this is not a pro Kendall podcast. I would have voted against no, Kendall. Horrible. I would have done what Shiv did. But like, like let's not is... let's not pretend this was a win. No, so you know who you know who we are. We're Team Frank. We're having exactly Frank's mindset associated with this. Which one gets me the most money? Yeah, for sure bet. Fuck yeah, I think absolutely. Then Frank establishes that. Like, yeah, 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 I just went through her. So anyway, they go through this whole thing, and and uh, Rome and Shiv do decide that they are going to go with. Kendall as the lead here. They they tell him yes. Um, so they go up to him um, and they say, so we were thinking of murdering you. And a funny line from Roman, don't tell him. Um, and But they say it's too much admin. Too much admin. 
I love how well we they do his you. they do his voice and his mannerisms when they're faking him, like how he would respond to them attempting to murder him. They get they've got you know Armstrong pretty well down there in terms of his him doing Kendall. Yeah, I feel like that was you know because like we know but, that but, Sarah Snook and Kieran Culkin were really good friends on set and they joked around yeah. a lot and they actually improved a lot. I bet they were doing impressions. Of the actor, yeah, behind his back, uh, and they Jeremy were like, Strong. "They're like, hey, let's let's work this in." So anyway, they go up to him, they tell him, "It's good, we're, it's you. We annoyed you. Congratulations, you can smile." Mm-hmm. He does smile. He says, "Happy Ken." They go inside. Now, here's something. Here's a little nugget for you, Spencer. Oh, dude, nugget. A nugget. Is it frozen? This is the last scene they filmed in succession. I like that. Because this is the happiest scene in the entire episode. Exactly. Is that these, these are three siblings. We're watching them how they behaved as kids. They've gone back to their childhood. They're just having fun. The weight of the world is off their shoulders. They're just playing around. And it's joyous. I'm smiling in an episode of Succession with just heartwarming happiness. I, loved, I wasn't yeah. expecting this. I love that it was their last because I think what they it was smart. They let them... Yeah. They let them channel probably the truly positive feelings they feel for each other as people going through this like seven year journey together. Um, and they got to display that on screen, which was so cool. I think it was really awesome. Yeah. Um, so anyway, they talk about what can we do to anoint the king? So they thought, uh, well, Shiv has a great idea that he can go up to Jonathan and say, I'd like a word with you in my ass. <laughs> you don't want to play truth or dare with Shiv. You really don't. <laughs> Rowan says they should do. He should do it with a spoonful of cinnamon. That's a cinnamon challenge. Uh, Kendall says they they made Leah Coca do that when he took over Ford. So I guess he's not going to do that. So they do meal fit for a kid, king, which is obviously something they had they done before. Kids. They've done before as kids. Meal fit for a king. So they go into the the fridge and they notice that Caroline, who sucks as a mother at every single. Every single base, all the way around. A Wom's Gams, if you will. Triple play, a bad bad mothering. Doesn't even have anything in the fridge. Nothing. S- sprouting potatoes, 0% milk, and wartime pickle. That's the three things they're able to pull out of this thing, and then a lot of spices in different parts. And so Caroline comes down to tell them to be quiet. They're having much too much too much fun, much too much fun. But she does to give them the nobly bits, which is just the edges of the bread that she's frozen for some reason. Well, apparently Peter doesn't like them. <laughs> So anyway, she gives that to them. So they have a couple pieces of bread. And then a really cool moment that um, happened between the actors that they actually kept in, which Roman threw three pieces of the bread to Sarah Snook, and she caught all three with one hand. It was her right hand. She went, one, two, three. And he actually stops and goes, you caught all three of those? Like, And he was really talking to Sarah Snook, and they kept it. It was really cool. Nice. Um, Caroline says, blimey O'Reilly, when she hears the news that they are actually going to anoint King uh, Kendall king that they are all going together to try to quote save the company um and that's their plan and i think caroline she won't say that she likes that idea but she does say that she's happy they're all getting along and she does tell roman to put the fucking cheese back because that's peter's cheese his special cheese and he gets really boring about it did you have any hopes at all that cheese would survive once they were left alone with that cheese in their particular mood I had no idea what Roman was going to do, but I knew he was going to do something. I, I figured they might just, you know, put the cheese in the blender. I wasn't expecting that they would go to town on that cheese. Or throw it outside or something. No, they, instead he just, he starts licking it. It's really, it's he really starts going funny. down on the cheese. Aaron Culkin is a really funny guy. He, he really does. Like, it's, it's interesting too, because it's like, if I, you just give like a block of cheese to somebody and say, lick it in a funny way. Like, not everybody can make comedy out of that, but he did. Uh, he was funny. Uh, there, there was a lot of improv going on here because, 
Sarah Snook and, Jer- and Jeremy Strong are straight up just laughing and barely keeping it together as, you know, Carrie Culkin is just going to town on that chase. Caroline does leave them by saying, well, I'm glad you can all agree about something other than I'm a terrible mother. Clearly, because she is, you know, a selfish person, clearly wanting them to say, oh, no, mom, oh. you're not. Oh, no. But they won't give her that and they shouldn't. They, Sarah, Sarah, I say Sarah Shiv. Snook now because I'm, I'm yeah. so locked into the character. Shiv just goes, yeah, well, we wouldn't disagree on that. And, Roman and that's agrees. it. And she leaves. And they she have had some Tabasco to the blender, some pickles, some other odd shit. Then finally her spit. And then uh Kendall drinks it. Uh another fun fact, Jeremy Strong really drank this thing. Of Whatever. course he, he did. He drank. Of course that psycho bastard drank that. He drank it. Uh and they really poured it on each other's heads and stuff, and that was they, the last thing. Like that an was egg it. in there and all that kind of shit. It's not Oh yeah. And Sarah Snook spit. So she really did spit in it. I, I, I'm betting that was, again, improv. She was just like, let's see if he'll drink it. And he does. Of course he does. Um, so anyway, they do the, the meal fit for a king. So next day, Kendall is uh, talking to Shiv on the plane ride out. Um, he uh, or He's he's talking on the phone. Shiv's talking on the phone. Roman's talking on the phone, right? And um, he says that they should just let Ewan be. He'll vote the status quo. That's the closest we get to Ewan's logic, other than Ewan in the boardroom, when he says, first, you know, no harm. harm. Yeah. Which that fits in with, you know, just that he's basically doing the non-committal answer. Shiv is talking to Khan, your favorite character, says there is no time. Um, then finally Shiv says, Connor wants to know if we're going to make the great reallocation. Kendall asks if Frank and Carl are going to be there because that could be. So he's still thinking strategically. Nothing nothing at all about the family. He's just thinking purely strategic. Hey, uh, honestly, he should have skipped the great reallocation and gone to freaking Frank. The fact that he's not talking with Frank the whole episode is entirely unacceptable. I, I don't know the other other voters, but I do know. I know that they could have flipped Frank. I know they could have with just a, just an offer of a position that makes, I don't know, a couple million a year or something, which in this multi-billion dollar company would have been no skin off Kindle's back and he could have flipped the vote. I, it's so stupid. I, I just don't and, understand. And Frank likes Ken. Everything we've seen before. Take the time to reach out to him and offer him some reasonable alternative to what otherwise is a great deal. Do it, man. It's very strange. Anyway, they get there. And, um... Connor is telling them the system. Now, Spencer, um, do you think this is a good system? I wrote it down. Yeah, you you, you do you want to tell us the system? Because since you're a con head. Okay. The system is pretty simple. So you move in a clockwise direction around the apartment, affixing your stickers to objects you covet. One sticker each on a number of different articles one, uh, or many on a prized item. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Subsequent circling mourners will SPCs. each apply their stickers. After two, yep. <laughs> After two stickering preambulating circuits, there's your SPCs. Okay. Objects will be assigned to the higher sticker bidder. With a sticker claim are tied, we move on to the tiebreaker stickering preambulation circuit. TV SPCs. Thank you. Uh, and after all unstickered items have been pooled and distributed in reverse al- alphabetical order, other than those stickered by the uh, second tier, excuse me, the bereaved, uh, does all, is all that clear? Uh, w- wonderful system, Con. Wonderful system. Hey, did you did you catch who was second tier bereaved? Uh, it was Carrie's there. And Colin. We're both uh, in that group. I'm glad they brought in Colin. I'm glad we got Colin a couple times this episode. Carrie and Colin were second, second, second tier bereaved. I'm uh, presuming Marsh has already looted exactly what she wanted. Well, she sold him the place for like 16 mil or whatever it was. Like she, okay. she sold him. And she uh, and she probably left with a suitcase loaded with the key items that she wanted. Not the medals, though, because Connor took that myself solely. And I just love and that moment. Number one son. I just loved it because like they they called him on it. They're like, where are the medals? Yeah. And he's like, well, uh, there was a first round, <laughs> first an initial round. round. And they all know it. When he says that, they know. 
And they all just start laughing and laughing about it. And then Rome asks if it all has to go. Uh, Willa says that she wants to get rid of everything. She has some pretty cool stuff coming in, like a cow print couch. (laughs) (laughs) All right, step down. Khan says you don't want to keep more. Willa explains she has a play reading in six to eight months. Spencer. Yeah. She can't go to Slovenia because she has to re- she has a play reading in six to eight months from now. Succession, why are you doing this to me? I had such hopes. You talk to me. The one successful relationship. It's another victory lap on it. Oh, you, you the two week itch. You had, you had the hopes that these two had some semblance beautiful. of, and I thought she was just, She's like the pits from the start. Gra- grasping mercenary. You've said it all along. She stinks. Poor and Connor's doing all this with a smile on his face. I know. And and she's like, we're really excited about long distance can add another dimension. And Roman does call it out. He says, yeah, it's sexy. They call it the second week itch. She's trying to get away from him immediately. And Shiv coming off the top rope. I love it. Man, when she has somebody in her sights verbally, there's nobody better. She goes, oh, yeah. well, what about the Wisconsin court thing? Uh, she Wisconsin Supreme Court yeah. has intervened. Maybe make it might not make it. So maybe you get to keep it all to yourself. And we talked about this, that there was the potential that the Wisconsin Supreme Court might step in and go, eh, wait, 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 wait a second. You're not going to allocate our electoral votes when you have 10,000 burn, 100,000 burn ballots. Do, do process, my friend. These people have a, have, a, have a constitutional right to have their votes counted. We know they existed and we know whose votes they were. We can do this. Willa seems concerned at this. She's not super happy about being stuck there with Connor. Connor seems speechless about this, too. It's just like, yeah, this is actually a serious concern. Well, Connor actually knew about it, right? Because he he yeah. starts to explain it with Shiv to Willa. He's been holding this back from Willa, yeah. which tells a lot about where they're at. So all the mm. Willa fans out there who thought that she was actually good-hearted, she was great, I think this is the show telling you maybe not so much. Again, again, at every turn, let us remember... They all suck. Which, but, but I mean, like, by the way, like, okay, so she's marrying this guy for money. I mean, that doesn't make her, that doesn't, like, send her down to, like, Dante's seventh circle of hell. Like, no, no, a lot of people do this. But let's it's just call levels. it, but let's just call it what it is. She doesn't yes. like him, or it, she doesn't love him. She's there for the money, and she kind of would like to get away from him so she could probably start fucking well, somebody else. That's my what guess. What we hoped after the last few episodes is that they could at least maintain, even if it wasn't a loving relationship, still a close and supportive one. And this is indicating that, no, they're probably not even going to be that. Do you think she has some actor friends that she would have invited over to be on that Calprint couch with her if if Connor the, was in Slovakia? The different Slovenia. dynamic that a long-distance relationship will bring had connotations. Yeah, she had some people in mind. So then they go in, and it's a virtual dinner with Pop. And Logan is... What do you think of this scene here? I loved this. I loved this scene. I liked it so much. that, that they're, they're straight up in tears as they're watching it, and I'm almost there with them. To just see their father... To see... Like, they've been asking... I mean, uh, Shiv in particular has been asking everybody, was Dad really that bad? What was Dad really like? They're getting to see an image of their father completely removed from them. An image of their father that these other people that liked him got to see, including Connor. Including Connor's the only one that's there. There, This is just such an other lens to a character of where he's joking around. He's having fun with other people. They're singing songs. It's. I really like this scene a lot for just completing that idea of there are just so many different lenses on this incredibly complex character. 
So he's he's Logan is doing a rhyme that repeats all the presidential losers. Is that right? It's impressive. But is that is that right? Is that what he's doing? Yes, it it's is. all the presidential Go, losers going back all the way. So then, why does he say Clinton the first, but not the worst? Because Bill Clinton was the first. He didn't lose. I am sure somebody on the right would refer to Bill Clinton as first, not the worst. They would what, think Hillary is the worst. It, it, it was down the way, though. There was a different Clinton that lost way back in the past, I think. There was a. There was that's a, why you referred to him as Clinton the first, because Clinton the second became president. There was a Clinton that ran as a major party ticket and lost previously? I'm, I'm going to check. Okay, because that, that's the only part that confused me. The rest of it I got. I mean, he, he made reference to, like, uh, Dick Nixon, who lost. They, he, he made reference to Barry Goldwater. There's some people I recognized in the losers. I didn't get the Clinton thing. Um, I will look it up. Anyway, uh, he does all that. And then Jerry tells a dirty limerick. Uh, uh, DeWitt Clinton in 1812. Okay, there you go. Good call. I thought he was, I thought he was, re- he was talking about the Clinton first, second between Bill and Hillary, but no, okay. So Clinton the first, but not the worst. Bill Clinton would have been the worst later. That makes sense. From, from his perspective, yes. Yeah, okay. Um, well, it just gets kind of, kind of, kind of screwed up because like conservatives would tell you that Hillary is like not as bad as Bill. So that would have fit some like modern conservative narrative there if that's what he was referencing, but it didn't work. Because he didn't lose, so I didn't understand it. Um, but Jerry tells a dirty limerick, and it looks like Roman really lights up at that. He he liked seeing he her, and he smiled. Um, I've got some. I got a theory on, on the Roman Jerry thing as we keep going. Hey, maybe with his drink choice later. That's it. And then Connor does. A, I'm a little teapot as Logan. Fuck off. And Carl <laughs> sings, and when he sings, that's that's what gets all the kids. And Kendall puts his hand over on Shivs as all three of them cry, watching their father. Um, <laughs> Kind of finish up the song. For our home audience, uh, he is singing Robert Burns, the famous Scottish poet's Green Grow the Rashes. Anyway, um, yeah. I... This scene was fine. I I liked it quite a bit. It felt unnecessary to me. It felt like a cheap cry that I didn't need. I mean, we've already said goodbye to Logan a million times. Um, I didn't need this in the middle of this episode. I, 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 felt, I felt it was a nice, last, peaceful moment, because it's the last time these guys are going to be fully on the same page. Fully just motivated by love and support from each other, bonding right now over their mutual affection for their father that they've lost, even as they had very different views and perspectives on it, even, even at the funeral. This just felt like a last opportunity for them to have a breath and be together and all on the same page before everything goes to hell from here. And I appreciated having that plateau before just the straight sprint of chaos that is the episode from here. But we already had that the night before, and that was actually based on their affection for each other. It wasn't based around this sort of like paper tiger love for their father, which which seems to be like liking the idea of him, but not the man himself. Like I would have been cool with like them the last moment them having been the three of them actually getting along as people, as opposed to relying on this image of their father. <laughs> The father leans omnipresent over everything that they do. The fact they're able to achieve a I know, and that's why we said goodbye to him with respect to their father's relationship here. That's why we said goodbye to him for four episodes. And we needed one more scene to complete it. Okay. All right. I talked over Plus, you. Robert, you want to finish, finish your point? Is also awesome. What? Well, what was your point? I talked over you. I thought I was trying to cut in with a joke, but you kept going. What was your point there? No, no. I'm good. I've expressed my point. I just further point, Robert Burns is also just awesome as a poet. No, I didn't hear it. What was it? You said something about the father needed to be... 
The father leaned omnipresent over all of his children at all times, achieving a certain measure of peace with respect to their perceptions of him and being able to share that together is an important culmination of their overall arcs on the show, even if it goes to hell from here. Okay. Yeah, for those keeping track at home, my joke was that's why we said goodbye to him for four episodes. Okay. All right. We can move on. Greg is clanging something in another room. Tom is there. He greets Shiv. She asks if he's going to eat, uh, if he's, <laughs> uh, she asks Tom, um, so he, he greets, uh, Shiv. Uh, Shiv greets Tom. Tom, um, asks if he's going to get canned. Uh, Tom says, I don't, or Shiv asks if Tom's going to get canned. Tom says, I don't think so, but you know, good luck. Uh, Shiv says, no, 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 no. That's all fucked. Tom goes, yeah. Trying to play surprised here, like shocked. Uh, no, no, Tom pockets some stickers here. Those are going to come up later. Yeah, that's kind of cute. Uh, Shiv says Madsen was just stringing me along, or he switched lanes. Either way, it's not going to be me. Tom, again, oh, do pray tell. I can't believe this. Are you sure? Is that is that even true? Um, Tom asks uh, who it would be. She says Tech Pal, Big Hitter, Lawrence, maybe. Tom says that maybe you should vote it through if it's all set. And that's when Shiv gives him a look like, what the fuck fuck was that and as soon as she gives him that look he does the right thing I think the the game is up yeah and he says you know you should probably know it's going to be me well you might as well know you're going to find out if it's going to be me I think I I wonder if it's an idea that maybe you should shift says fuck you like is he what he's driving to here is maybe you should get behind this which she ultimately does by the way she does and And I wonder whether this conversation had a role in that you you think that may have planted the seed I think it, I don't. I interpret Shiv differently. I think. Well, we're going to interpret why Shiv did what she did. There's a lot of options, but for people that are saying that this was a conscious decision on her part to pick her husband, to have some hope of maybe a relationship or a base of power, or whatever else, this conversation seems like at least played a role in that regard because it's him at least proposing that they do something together in a way he wasn't earlier at all. Hmm. Yeah, because that's what he was driving at. He was saying like, "You maybe you should come around on this," but she at this point, pride is just all. You know, ticked She's off. Pissed. Fuck you. He went for an empty fucking suit. She goes, come on. I know you'd do it if it was the other way around, basically. And she goes, True. good luck. Good luck because we have the numbers. Good fucking luck. How many times this episode do people prematurely claim they have the numbers for the vote? It's just like it's I, like a constant thing through the episode. I, if I was Shiv, but Shiv, of course, would do this. I would not have even told Tom. You can't trust Tom. Tom, she straight up said that he sucked the biggest dick in the room and you're going to give him this kind of information? You don't know he's loyal in your camp. Well, you know he's not loyal in your camp because you know he's going to be named the CEO if... Well, no, before, before he even knows that. Before she, before he even reveals that point, the fact that she just reveals that, oh yeah, you know, I'm going going with Kendall because Matthew's going to screw me. That's that's cheery information to reveal to somebody like Tom who could benefit a lot by leaking it to Matson right here. Well, she does, that's interesting because she doesn't say that she's going with Kendall. She so she all she says is it's not me. And then Madsen screwing me or whatever. Right. Else. And then um she then Shiv says uh you know what the fuck and he says you should probably know it's me. And then after she knows that it's him, she mm-hmm. says well, we have the fucking votes. Well, so I think a, there's another mul- reveal. Right. I think there's multiple moments where they both should have shut the fuck up. Right. <laughs> because they, like, they shouldn't be talking to each other. Period. Yeah. I think you're right that maybe she could, she should have just like not just left it with Tom, like not even said that she knew that Madsen was screwing her because she doesn't know if she can trust Tom. Right. But then even, but after that, when Tom says it's me, she should have taken that information and shut up. But then 
She's mad. She wants to hurt him. So she goes, I have the votes and she boasts a little bit. And that's information that Tom is able to use against them later. Because remember, you have that scene where Madsen's like, get on the phones, get on the phones. So multiple moments here where these people should have shut up. Missed opportunities at every turn. Yeah. Anyway, she storms off. Rum says, wow, getting fucked by the dry cleaner. It's a line you could have missed. <laughs> I like that one. It was in the background. Tom asked Greg to go in the bathroom to discuss a corporate matter. Did you tell? If Did I, you fucking tell, you bastard? If I was Greg, I would have been anywhere near a closed-in room with him. Be like, read the, read, read the guy, man. This guy knows. He knows you screwed him. Get the hell out of Dodge. I thought this was wonderful. I thought this was great. I love that Greg hits him back. I, I, I adored that Greg struck back. Finally, after all these years. I wanted him to lay Tom out. So I actually wanted Yeah, they have the worst fight ever. It's just a couple of... Couple, <laughs> uh, you. Tom walks out. Tense music is playing. If you're watching it with uh, subtitles on, it says tense music is playing. Yes, dude. Tom calls his big problem, big fucking problem. He is talking to Matson because Matson storms in the room and screams that everyone needs to get going. I want to see people oh, on fucking phones. People on fucking phones. He screams for Ebba, who is literally behind him, mm-hmm. uh, continuing to torture Ebba. Uh, Spencer, at, at this point, at this point, did you think the kids would win? I still had hope. Well, I still right honestly now. hopes, but yes, I still thought the kids would win. I when we saw this panic in Matson, I thought. The kids were going to win. Because I was also looking at the amount of time left. There was like 20 minutes left in the episode. And I was like, they can't Counting do... the extra 15 at the end of the year for credits and stuff. They can't do yet another swerve. Like, yeah. like this has to be the way, right? I thought that they were going to win. So they arrive in cars, classical music playing. I believe this is the the last time we ever get the kids arriving somewhere, classical music playing in SUV. Enjoy it while it's here, man. I know. They ask about Stewie and Kendall says he's a wobbly fucking bastard, which I... Agree. Silence in the silence in the courtyard. Silence in the street. The biggest fool of London is just about to speak. Carolina comes up and asks if they can block. Can you block it? Great. I think that's great. This is Carolina making her play the same way Greg's been doing. Yeah, but like we both discussed this. I'm not sure. She's competent though. I'm not sure she needs to make a play. I think both sides are going to keep her. I think this is just she's noticing that Hugo who. Who reports to her, which you pointed out earlier in the season, which I think you're right about, has gotten too big for his britches. He is going around yeah. her to Kendall and making a play way above his reporting line. And I think this is her cutting his legs out for it. Well, she also knows that Hugo would try to, report, would try to have her tossed in a heartbeat. That, you know, Hugo's become Kendall's guy. If they take over, Hugo's going to try to push for him to be the natural transition. That you, well, you can't have two of us. you got to let Carolina go. So she's trying to protect her position from what she feels is... A probably imminent attack in the event of their takeover. Do you think that Kendall would have fired Carolina? Uh, yes, but I think he'd be huh. an idiot to do so. Interesting. I kind of thought she'd be saved, but I don't. I, I hadn't really thought about it that deep. You might be right. Uh, maybe I, I, maybe I that's what Ken, Hugo was going to do. I think Ken, Kendall's going to take loyalty over necessarily superior, superior competence. Kendall walks in. They see Frank running. Rome says, "I heard that. I think they heard their testicles maybe on fire. I haven't seen run, Frank run like that ever." Uh, Hugo says, can we help prepare the ground? So he's asking for help. She says, it's going to be fairly explosive mega fuck. So yeah, the Gojo deal is going to die. Frank maybe pulls the vote or they push and get humiliated. And then we get this line from Hugo. Big, big day on the old salami line, huh? <laughs> he's such a weirdo. Kendall uh, asked to sit in Logan's chair, Roman Shift, tell him it's good. Here's the thing about that. If he'd have, he'd, have, he'd have done this motion, like, is it cool? And they just said, yeah, yeah, it's cool. And he'd have just sat down and been cool about it. This wouldn't have been an issue. But he sat down. He made it a fucking thing. 
made his fucking thing. He kicked up his feet. He started bringing in Stewie and acting the other bro, douche bro with him. It's there are so many opportunities Kindle could have still saved this, and this is one of the ones that walked right by him. You know, it's interesting because I think that he does a lot of super douchey Kindle stuff. I think this thing with Stewie, though. I almost wish that, like, if you're a Kindle fan, I wish, like, Shiv would have, like, earmuffed. Because I, I get why when she hears it, she's like, ugh, what a douchebag. It douche sounds douchey. It really does. But he also is talking Stewie's language, right? Yeah. He's Cause, doing um, Because Kindle, or uh, Stewie goes, guy, because the, the, Kindle floats the idea of, of Stewie being chair. And mm-hmm. Stewie's like, chair, guys, I like weird sex. I like bad drugs. I'm a very complicated individual. Kindle, bullshit, bullshit. You like pancakes and waffles, and you kiss guys on Molly. You're not the heart of darkness. You're a grilled cheese with a suck dick. Woo! <laughs> Ah, this is two guys that are making a circle with each other. You know, shapes. That's what they're doing right here. Ah, yeah. I'm just understanding what shape comes out of this. Shiv, yeah. hate, Shiv hates Kendall, though. The look on her face. They, I love how they block this because the whole time in this sequence, they keep going back to Shiv's face and it's just, she's just getting so disgusted but with him. His cockiness is great on her like nothing else. That he's, that he knows he's one and he's reveling in it and she feels like he's rub, rubbing her nose in it. And by the way, it's 7-6. At best. He, yeah. ah, he's so stupid. So he says, why don't we uh, just think about it, huh? And Shiv, I do think if we give Sandy a little tug, maybe she'll be foldable. And then Stewie tells Roman he did a good one. I, here's a little theory I have. I think that Stewie gave Shiv good information. That if she'd have gone to, stand, to Sandy, that she could have flipped the Sandy votes, the two Sandy if votes. They went to anyone they could have flipped the votes right but i but my but my theory here yes. is that shiv already is starting to flip and doesn't act on that information because she's already yeah. thinking i i kind of don't want but this to work it, it's it's pretty clear from it I mean pretty clear definitely from here that uh the confidence and happiness that we saw in shiv and roman just a scene ago is no longer present they're they here they're not with Kendall anymore. Then we see Jerry show up. Roman gets really freaked out about that. He says she shouldn't be around. Oh boy. He says he's, uh, you know what he's just going to do, Spencer? He's going to go home and he's going to call into this thing. Yeah. What? Yeah, absolutely. Can't just can't just can't be there. It's a bad look. You know, people are going to ask questions. People are going to ask questions. Why it wasn't me? Just they're, 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 I can't do it. Can't do it. Just can't do it. Bro, bro, bro. Hey, could have been you. And then Kendall gives him a hug. That what I. What do we make of this hug? I guess everyone's making something this hug. I mean, it's like assault almost. Like he just, he grabs his head and just like burrows it into his, his shoulder. Now, you know, I've seen some people guessing that maybe this is some like age old joke that this is a type of hug that Kendall used to give Roman when they were kids. It's a, I don't know. I guess you can read in that backstory if you want. It looks to me like him trying to assert his dominance over Roman in a very yeah. like, primal way. In scene, I couldn't tell how much it was Roman trying to hurt himself or Kendall tried to hurt Roman, but. Yes. Some aspect of self-harm versus some aspect of showing dominance is going on here. Well, in my mind, and I I, I don't know, I really don't know, I, honestly, but in my mind, I thought that it was clear that Kendall was holding him there because Roman was saying, I hate you, stop it, like I hate you. He, he doesn't say stop it, but he says, he said, I hate you, fuck you, I fuck fucking you, hate I you. Hate you. Yeah, so it, like, it seemed to me like pretty obvious that Kendall was holding him there. I couldn't tell necessarily whether that was also just Roman venting, just like, you know, through the crying, just expressing all of the just rage and disappointment that he's gotten in him as well. Yeah. Again, 
I want to go back and rewatch it because I really couldn't tell what percent was which, but it seems like we're supposed to interpret it as being some mess of the two. I watched it three times, and it seemed on each subsequently watch, more and more I was convinced that Kendall was pushing his head there, just by like just watching the actors. But um, interested to see what you think. If so, then it's straight up just him controlling and trying to domineer Roman right now. Kendall's left in Logan's office looking around. He shot a ship walking there, walking to the boardroom. Same one we saw the day Kendall made the move and Logan stood outside just watching them as they voted. Remember that? I do, yes. It's like the completely glass boardroom and Kendall mm-hmm. was standing outside. It's the same thing. Um, so Kendall's walking around greeting people. He's actually giving out water. <laughs> Frank, Frank calls it to order. Uh, Frank does a great job, I think, as, of running these meetings. He seems like He's a real the professional. He, he treats it seriously. Yeah, he does. And he says they will be hearing from their co-CEOs about strategic alternatives. He hands the floor over to Kendall. This is where Kendall, I mean, if Kendall hasn't lost it, this is where he loses it. He, he had the, the opportunity to speak when no one's voicing the other side. Batson's not here. There's no one selling this right now. He could just present and speak and say whatever the hell he wants right here. He's got the packets out. This is his opportunity to say... We've got seven votes. This is our idea. This is how we can make this an utter fortune if we make this work, if we get you all behind us. This is an opportunity. This is his pitch that he could make. And he just, like, his overconfidence is at an entirely new level right now. And what's so frustrating is they've spent this season showing us that Kendall has that speech in him. Yes. He's got it in him to stand up there and give an impassioned speech that could flip the room. He's done it multiple times this season. We know he's capable of it. But he is so damn stupid. (laughs) He's so self-involved and so overconfident that when he stands up, this is what comes out. The Gojo offer. Yeah, this deal, this is a bad deal. Gojo offer. We were proud to land it. Me and Rome, we knew it. We know it inside and out. If you want to go through with it, you'll have to fire me and find someone else to take it through. Yeah, I think you have your packets here with the structural arguments and the financing options. And look, it's a nice thick pack. We've knocked it out of the park. And Gojo, Madsen is flailing. We know that. Look, look, look. We know each other. I've spoken to you all. I like and respect each one of you. But no one is going to have their mind changed in here. So I suggest we move to a vote. Kill this. Excuse me, Gojo bullshit. Let's eat their lunch. And Frank is like, Ken, what the fuck? Like, Formal meaning. It's all written down for shareholders. Yeah, like, like, we have a lot of shareholders. Publicly traded companies. It's a big deal. What are you talking about? And he says, let's do it for my dad, guys. Okay, I I want you to rank something for me. Out of of 10, what would you give Kendall's speech at the wedding, uh, at the funeral, and that had ten by comparison. What would you give this speech? At the funeral, it's a nine, only because he used corpuscles at one point, which he lost did. the room. It was weird. Yeah, that, it would have been a ten otherwise. This is a, like a two. This is really, it, really bad. This is straight up failing. This is worsening his position. Yeah, it really is. Um, I mean, he literally could have said nothing and done way, way better. This, this, this puts him in the negative. This is really hard. It, and he, a, and, I think this hurts him with Shiv too. Oh, yeah, because when he says do it for dad, guys, Shiv's face is like, ugh. Like, it's almost like she, like, like her lunch came up. Like, he was like, she was like revolted by it. She should be. It was awful. And like, you know, Jeremy Strong acts just so well that it, he just looks this, like, overconfident. And every time he gets into that mode, I think Jeremy Strong plays it a little bit high. Like his, yeah. his eyes look sort of like strange and he's not like, he's not focusing on things and he has this mm-hmm. dumb smile on his face. He looks high. So, and he, he kind of is. So Frank votes for it. Sonia, and when I say it, I mean the deal. Frank votes for it. Sonia votes for it. Diane votes for it. Ken, no. Sandy and Stewie 
Sandy and Sandy, yes. Mm-hmm. Another no. Ewan, no. Stewie, no. Keen t- team kin, baby, I'm a no. He could have just said no, but he just says it that strange. Mm-hmm. Roman hates this, but finally gets out. Look, no. That seems five to five to me, but Where they keep saying six, six, six to six. Did someone have like the only way I can best explain is proxies? Proxies that some people, two people, had already signed in previous six. We only get ten votes, and it's five five. I don't understand, but they keep, they keep saying six six. In any case, it's tied. Shift sits there. She thinks she gets up. She leaves. Ken follows her in the conference room. Here's my question for you: If you're your Ken, would you follow her there or just let her go? I would let her go. I, I, I would I, too. I, I, I think trying to strong arm her here is feeding into everything that is driving her ultimate decision. I would have too, man. I would have let her go. I think, I think he overdoes it, and that it continues to reinforce what she's scared about with him. Mm-hmm. He gets in there. Rome gets in there. Shiv tells Kendall, "Look, I uh, I just want to think." And he goes, think about what? If you want to keep the company, you want to hand it over to Tom and that piece of shit have killed our dad. She goes, I might have changed my mind. Kendall is gobsmacked. What the fuck? She says, it's good for the company. Kendall says, it's good for the company. I'm good for us. If you vote yes, it's over forever. Shift's like, yeah, that sounds pretty great to me right now. She like, shakes her head. Yeah, that sounds really good. Kendall, here's the thing. I'm like a cog built to fit only one machine. Like, if you don't let me do this. So the same problem I had with Shiv earlier in the episode, where she was viewing Matson's decision about Tom only through what she was feeling, thinking that Matson gave a fuck. Mm -hmm. Kendall's making the same bigger mistake now, which is assuming that, like, her, the only way she would be thinking about this is how it might affect Kendall. Right. There's no empathy for you right now, Kendall, in this conversation. Don't don't try to play that card. It's not all about you. You're not the most important one. She says, I don't think I am. She says, yes, you do. And she says, you do like six times. Like, yes, you fucking do. You do, you do, you do. You do think it's all about you. Kendall says, it's fucking crazy not to just let him. No, it's stupid. It's over. It's over at this point. She says, um, you're voting against yourself. You realize. Then he finally starts begging. He says, I beg you don't do this. For fuck's sake, for fuck's sake. The logic. Where's the logic? He's just screaming and yelling. Then he says, I feel like if I don't get to do this, then that's it. Then I might die. I don't I, I don't know if he's wrong there. I, I, I think he actually feels that. I think he does, too. And I'm not sure that Ken lives that much longer after the finale. But I will talk about mm-hmm. it when we get there. Shift says, you can't be CEO because you killed someone. So that comes that, back up. This is That's one of the lines that just shows to me that Shiv doesn't necessarily know in her own head why she's opposing this. She's yeah, this processing. is nonsense from her because if she, she had this she's just problem, trying to hurt him. she had this problem. She should have she should have said it last night. Any other time, she clear this clearly isn't the reason. Um, she's grasping for explanations in her own head. It, it's also like not fair. We've just talked about this in the podcast. Like he Kendall didn't just kill someone. Like he made mistakes in an evening where someone died, but Kendall didn't like take a gun out and shoot somebody in the head. Like the guy jerked the wheel. They went in. He went down to try to get the guy. Like, this is not an outright murder. Like, it's involuntary manslaughter at worst. Also, him revealing this to his siblings was one of the most close bonding things they had in the entire damn show. It was one of the things that rallied them together going into the finale of season three. It was an incredible moment of vulnerability. So for her to weaponize this, it's... 
Below the belt doesn't even come close to indicating what this is. And she's not consistent because Ken says, I made that up. And then she gets high and mighty like this big, super big reveal that you made. You made that up. How could you possibly do that? And it's like, well, wait a second, Shiv. If you think that this thing is some massive bonding moment for us that is beyond reproach, why did you 10 seconds ago weaponize it against me for this decision you've already made? Like, yes. Nothing is consistent here. These people are just talking in circles. Um, anyway, uh, she says this to Ken, which is potential line of the episode. I love, I love you, but I cannot stomach you. What, what do you make of Ken denying the kid thing? Does, is, is he just like, you know, a child that's been caught and is just trying to say whatever he needs to get through? Or is he actually delusional enough in this moment to have rewritten the narrative? Wait a second. I'm not, again, I don't think he just killed someone. So I well, don't, no, he, I don't he, think he it's. He literally denies he was in the car. Okay. Then, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't I'm know. I mean, with if, you. He didn't murder anyone. Absolutely. It, we've talked, we've talked it, about that. Yeah. It could be one of two things. I mean, it could be like him trying to speed, speed track, like where she said you killed someone and he's just trying to like, be like well, I didn't kill someone. Like, and he's just trying to speed track that by just saying, yeah, I'll just make up whatever to get to a certain point. That very well could be because he's that manipulative. But I also, I, it's more likely that he's just in, incredibly desperate and he's saying, flailing. he's flailing and saying whatever he thinks he can do. And any, just, he's trying to, everything she brings up, he wants to take it off the table immediately. But because he's so quick to try to do that, everything he's saying is sort of nonsensical and offensive. And the fact, I mean, it was a big deal for both Roman and Shiv. It's horrible that Shiv's trying to use that as, you know, a knife to stick in Kindle right now. But the fact that Kindle then tries to say, oh, it was just a play. I, I, I just made it up. I wasn't, it wasn't in the car. I didn't even know the kid. Again, everything Kindle's doing is making the situation worse. Way worse. Once he does that, once he, once, once he tries to make, it's either a lie then or it's a lie now. Both of the siblings are like, okay, fuck you. We're out. Yeah. Well, yeah, they do. They do say, well, fuck you. But, it, but again, like I hate, I hate that they, and they do this all the time. Something comes up between them personally and they think that's grounds to like make a decision because then yep. Rome goes, Oh, absolutely not. Now we can't vote for it. It's like, what Rome? Wait a second. This fight you guys are having between yourself. This is a, you're voting on if a publicly traded company should be sold. A lot of people own this they... stock. Don't care. I know they don't, but it's pissing me off because I'm like, this is people's like retirement funds. It's their 401ks have this fucking stock in it. And you people are making the decision based on the thing you just said offended me. They want the bauble. They're fighting for the bauble. We're in a world right now of where what Shiv expresses to Kindle is essentially if I have the power, if I can't get the bauble, I will use the power to at least make sure you don't get it. Now, Kendall sucks in this conversation, but Roman does a thing in this conversation that is the meanest thing that anybody Ugh. does in the entire conversation. Because he says, she's the bloodline, though. And I, when he said that, I went, what? Kendall does too. It's like, is, what the fuck did you say? And Kendall, Rome says, that's just what dad said. I'm just saying what dad said. And he says, well, don't say it, you fucking cuck. He's getting angry. Rome, sa- Rome says, they are a pair of randos. One is a buy-in. The other is half Rava, half some filing cabinet guy, right? So let me take a second to explain. He is saying, and I'm not sure we even knew this, that Kendall's kids 
are not the bloodline. And, and now they're talking almost in terms of like kings and queens that like kid, yeah. it shouldn't pass through Kindle because he can't pass it on to his kids because one is adopted. One is we, a buyer. We kind of knew. The other, did we know that one was adopted? When did we know that? She, she seems a different race than her parents. That was kind of my presumption for a while. I, I never, I never assumed that. that you, you, you don't see race. I know. Well, I didn't know what Rava's race was. I'm not 100% sure what her race is. Um, the other is half Rava, half some filing cabinet guy. So that I, means... We didn't that know that about Iverson. It, that, uh, yeah, Iverson was from uh, uh, like an artificial insemination like, uh, from a sperm donor. Yes. Which... Um, some filing yeah, that, cabinet guy. I don't think we knew that. So neither it, one of them are biologically... Ken's children, and that it does not surprise me in the least that Logan would have latched onto that. God, yes, and it seems like it's an open wound. Given, I mean, it's a horrible thing for Roman to say both about what his dad believed, whether Kendall knew that or not, but also just to say out loud. But it seems like from Kendall's reaction, this has been a uh, an open woundy kind of issue. Do you remember when Logan hit Iverson with the can? I do. Back in season Ugh. one. This makes that really bad, right? Because like if he, if Logan, if Logan had been saying all along, this is, this is just some buy-in. This isn't your kid. This is not the bloodline. And then he's more apt to physically abuse the kid because of it. It just, it's dark. Um, none of this is good. So Kendall just mushes Roman's face. Roman doesn't fight back. Shiv, sick of the situation, goes to leave and, and Kendall puts his hand on her. And that's when Rome fights back. And A, Kendall should never have put his hands on Shiv, period. Two, when Rome decides, I like that Rome decides to fight back for Shiv. And, and when he does, I'm not quite sure which of the brothers is the strongest. Like, I, I got a little shook there. I always assumed Kendall could beat Roman's ass. When Roman bucks back at him a little bit, Kendall like, kind of hits the wall. So anyway, Wait, that's what happens there. And, and Roman even yells out, she's fucking pregnant, you piece of shit. Yeah. It's like, again, you talked about this. Roman's still going to have a relationship with his sister after this conversation in a way that Kendall will not. Roman will try to maintain a relationship with his brother that Shiv will not with Kendall. And this is what, how this conversation goes demonstrates that. I believe that Roman is more concerned with family, the family being together and being a family unit, the family caring about each other than anyone else, else, than anyone else. And I also think that this line gives an idea as to why he's more apt to maybe be friendly with either one of them after it's over. He looks at Kendall and he says, it's all, it's fuck, it's fuck all. It's bits of glue and broken shows and phony news. He finally makes that admission. Yep. It's nothing. It's fucking nothing. Just stop it. It's nothing. We are bullshit. You're bullshit. You're fucking bullshit. I'm bullshit. She's bullshit. I'm telling you, I'm telling you this because I know it. Okay. We're nothing. Okay. Okay. Listen to the show, people. These are the writers speaking to you by mean of Roman. We are bullshit. You are bullshit. You're fucking bullshit. I am bullshit. She's bullshit. I'm telling you this because I know it. That is that. That's probably a lot of the episode for me. Kendall tries to get himself together and he walks back into the room. Notice his hair is still messed up, even though he tried to get his suit right. And, you know, Frank gives him this look when he comes because he comes in trying to delay the vote. And Frank gives him this look. And I think. I think the look is two things. It's what, it's what, what Frank says, which is it's done. The vote's over seven, six, but it's also, Ken, we just saw all that. Yeah. Like there's no way you're leading this company. You just 
like assaulted it, your brother, attacked a pregnant woman. You screamed and yelled. You literally screamed, I'm the eldest boy in public. It's over for you, buddy. You don't have it. it. And I think it, that you don't have it isn't just the seven to six. No, it, it, it's pitying at this point. It's like the fact that you're coming back in this room and trying to delay. It's like, please find a way to get back to reality. So Ken walks out. Succession theme music plays. Um, well, Ken walks out and then Tom walks in as the succession theme music plays. Because okay. why does it, why does the succession theme music play when Tom walks in? Because on paper, he's the, he's, he's succeeded. The, the king he's is the next de- CEO. The king is dead. Long live the king. It's Tom. And if you think uh, Tom. Puppet Tom, puppet king, but and he still holds the crown. He's happy. I think he yes. is, he is happy with, his role professionally, I would not say it's a clean victory. That's why I don't I don't like this theory of like the Wamscams baseball player from the thirties or something. Because like Matson makes it perfectly clear. Like you're just gonna do what I tell you. Like yeah. you're not you don't have real power it, here. It, it, Tom wins, I'll say, but it's not it, it's not a flawless victory. He is accept he is voluntarily accepting a career of being a pain sponge, of eating shit. At whim of this guy. In a way we've seen before, he's not a happy person. And he's voluntarily picking this because that's what he has aspired to. Frank and Carl standing there. Frank, what are you thinking? Golden Parachute, Carl, or One Last Rodeo? What do you I, think? I love that line. I love their like. I love that little spin about one more adventure, my friend. Yeah, but they're not going to have it because no. later on, Tom says, Frank, <laughs> Frank, uh, Carl, dead, dead. Hey, God, I don't hey. need those two cunts over my my shoulder. Tom, uh, uh, Frank, and Carl, two of them would know how to spend their money to ne- make have another adventure if they wanted to. So they're they're gone from the company, it seems, because that Tom tells Greg that, and he also tells Greg that he is fucked. You fucked it, Quad Man. Madsen hates you. You want to clean? He wants to clean out. He wants me to clean out. You are a fucking piece of shit. But I got you, and the crowd goes wild. Uh, and remember what I said earlier? There wasn't one loving relationship in this show. Here it is, my friends. The master and the slave. They are happy together. And the crowd goes crazy. I've got just enough capital. Puts a sticker on his head and says, I got you. What, what, what was that castrated slave he talked about in like season three? Sporus or something? This is his Sporus. The, it's the cutest moment of the show, even though it's problematic in like 70 different ways. It's still like the cutest thing the show offers us. Cut to Rome. They are pushing him um, into the room to sign the thing. Hey, Roman Roman couldn't rise to the occasion in the funeral. He couldn't rise to the occasion in the living plus. But Roman, the CEO, signs the document, whereas Kendall's already out of the building. Well, there, there's a 0% chance they could have got Kendall to sign it. Yes. It's not. It, that's None. not. You'd have, you could imprison him. He's not doing it. So it had to be Roman. And he's trying to get them to bring it to him, and they won't yeah. do it. And finally, he just runs out of there. But Roman does... He doesn't speak a word to Madsen. He doesn't speak a word to anyone. Good call. He walks in. He signs it. He walks out. Professional. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like the professional move would to go in and shake his hand and like the be for the cameras, right? But he 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 lets his and like the, that he's antagonistic toward Madsen be on full display. He, he gets it done at least in a way that sure. Kendall certainly couldn't. Well, I, yeah. I, I guess I guess couldn't. Is a you could use that word, but he, I mean, Kendall is so angry that he he's volu- it, It's not like a the, uh, he's not would, capable of it. It's that he's like 
he has a vendetta against these people. Of course he's not going to do it. I don't it. even know if anger is the right word to describe Kindle right now. I just don't think he is an intact enough person to be able to, you know, engage in conscious action. Matson throws a couple jokes around. What's the return policy on this thing? Jesus and his disciples, even Judas in the room, pointing to Greg. So Greg's going to have a fun life for the next couple of years while Matson takes every chance he can to shit on him. Matson's still going to invite him out to drinks. Oh, for sure. But he's just going to hear shit constantly. Um, Greg will smile. They take pictures. Tom tells Shiv he's going to be in the car in 20 if she wants to join, which is an interesting moment. Uh, Tom must have caught wind how the vote went down. That's the only thing I can I can think of here as to why he's asking her to be in the car. Yeah. Um, Tom tells them to party. Cut to Rome, who's alone in a bar, drinking a martini, a martini, Jerry's drink. It's Jerry's drink. He wants Jerry back. They're going to end up together, I have to say. You shipping bastard. You ship always taking an opportunity. What do you think? I mean, why did they give us the martini if not if not to show the, these residual feelings that Rome has for Jerry? And they were on full display the whole episode. He certainly has residual feelings for Jerry. Whether Jerry will in any way be interested in taking him back is an entirely separate question. He's got a couple billion now. She's got it, and she's got a job and a career, and I'm sure she's comfortable. But as established earlier... There's even, even though Jerry is wealthy, even though Jerry makes a lot of money, and even though Roman did have some money before, there still are levels to this thing. Like when you start talking more billions, that might matter for Jerry. <laughs> Who can say? All I know for certain is Me. that I I know you do. You've been chipping everybody from, from time immemorial. Well, all I can say for certain is that for what we see of the last scenes of each of these, the the three main Roy siblings. Roman's the only one that seems actually like he's legitimately smiling. Now, what that is, whether he's making peace with the fact that he's finally done, whether he's got aspirations for the future, whether he's content that this was just like a temporary lark away from what his normal state of just being, you know, an uncaring, debaucherous degenerate is, there is a certain element of contentment in his condition. Spank dungeon or whatever the hell Shiv said he's normally jerk, in. Yeah, yeah, a pity, a pity spank and a jerk dungeon. Kitty, kitty spank and a jerk. I don't know. A lot of people did interpret the, the Rome scene as him being happy that he's finally disconnected from this this evil omnipresent thing, which is the Waystar Company that's always mm-hmm. destroyed his relationships with his siblings, with his father, with his with himself. All of these things are that that sounds really great on paper, but I choose to believe. That he uh, he's drinking a, a martini because of Jerry and and Jerry we if we know one thing about Jerry she uh, she's opportunistic and she looks out for Jerry and getting with a, a guy who now just caught a couple billion sure yeah she'll take him um, she is with someone right yeah but a couple billion Spencer that we, guy we can know. fuck right off I'm telling you <laughs> we know what your sale price is. Cuts his hot. I mean, you, you start. That's real money you're talking about. I mean, that's like that's that's. Once you add a certain extra zeros, you reach a different conversation. I don't know, man. I think I think that my the Jerry that I know would have uh, would have probably said, "Yeah, sure, let's give it a run." Cut to Tom getting in the car. Shift congratulates him. He puts his hand out. She looks at it. She puts her hand there. Neither actually clench their hands, but they're together, and it's it's beautiful symbolism, right? It's, yes, they're together, but they don't, neither one know if they're fully in it. Well, it's like, also, it, we talked before about the only time Shiv is happy is when she's either completely in control or completely, you know, well, the only time she's happy is when she's completely in control. The only time she's hitching Tom is when she's completely domineering over him or completely broken. She's neither of those right now. He's in charge. They're fl- they're, the basis of their relationship is completely flipped. 
This is nothing that she ever wanted. This is nothing that she ever planned. But by thine own hand, she is here, stepping into the role of her mother, generational trauma repeated. And yeah, that, that prolonged shot of him holding out his hand and her just kind of resping in the palm of it. It's my reference to The Graduate, where it's that long shot of the two of them at the back of the bus, but I had greater hopes for the two of them than I ever do for these two. I know you want them to work, man. I don't see it. I think this is a, just a a two people finding ways to be unhappy together. Yeah. No, that's not... You no, know, you, you got my position on this uh, twisted. I'm not rooting for them. I don't think they're going to be a, in a lifelong happiness. But I think they're going to stay together. I think they do care about each other. Like, that's different, right? Like, two people who care about each other and aren't willing to separate, that doesn't necessarily mean those are two happy people. I, I will say there'll be one... In term, I'm drawing comparison between, you know, Logan and, Carol, and Carolyn and, you know, Tom and Shiv. I think a key difference is that I don't... While Logan cheated on all of his wives and had multiple mattresses, I don't see Tom doing that. I don't see, unless there's, a, unless the position has a certain degree of effect on his psychology, unless, you know, his relationship with Shiv truly does prove completely one-sided and loveless, it doesn't seem as much in his character from what we've seen before. These are two unhappy people. And Profoundly so. Yeah, so, like, they're not gonna, like, have a happy relationship. They're not even happy with themselves. But they love each other. In some twisted, weird way. And I think they're going to stay together. That's the only point I've ever been trying to make with these two, is that they're not going to separate. Do you think Tom still loves Shiv in the same way she seems to love him? Because I mean, that conversation they had when they were talking on the phone, Shiv was straight up saying, I want to give this another go. I have hopes for it still. And Tom gave her nothing in response. I honestly think a lot of that, and you've never, you've not given this any credence all season that I could tell, is that she's pregnant. And she doesn't want to have this kid alone. She wants to have Tom there to help raise the kid. That is one of several, I think, reasonable interpretations for why she does what she does. Yeah, but I do. I, I think I think Tom has the same level of affection for her that he's had pretty much all season. Um, not not what he's had in previous seasons. Previous seasons have been stronger, but he's. I think he still has an affection for her. He cares about her in a certain way, and I don't think he's willing to walk away from it. I, I don't. I, I in no way see this as a win for Ship. I think she picked no. how she wanted to lose. I don't. I think. I think. I think. I, I certainly, certainly just believe what she says that she's just utterly disgusted with Kendall. Maybe just personally. Maybe also just you know in terms of the constant rivalry between them that she can't tolerate the idea that he was prevailing over her. But I don't. And I don't see her decision as being strategic. I know it has a net benefit for her, but I don't see that being the ultimate motivation. Is that you know this was a good business deal, or some people online were even started saying that. Siv was doing the right thing for her family. She did this intentionally to protect her brothers. I'm like, bull fucking shit on that one. Yeah, I've heard that one too, that she was, she was letting Kendall go. She was cutting him free. To to then immediately go jump in a river. That's, is that how she's letting him free? If you want to say that she did this because she, it was, it was her only way that she was picking Tom, that she was picking their relationship, that she still wants it for some reason or another. Fine. In the moment, though, I don't think she's thinking in those terms. I think she's literally just thinking, I can't let Kendall take it. You and I both. Um, so you're, you're, so let me back up. You're thinking that she did this primarily out of a reflex, uh, and it was kind of like a spur of the moment type thing, a reflex of, I can't let this smarmy fucking idiot win 
get this thing, run this company that dad created. I just can't let it happen. And that was the decision. It was let, it, it was very little about Tom. It was more about Kendall, the decision being made. I, I'm kind of a belief. I don't think she has a clear thought process in her moment, but I think the things that she tells Kendall have to be assigned a certain value and those things to be, to be rotating around. I would rather none of us win than you, than someone other than me win or particularly that you win. <laughs> I think I Tom think, has to be part of the conversation. I think it must be an it's a factor in her own complex series of motivations. I, I think we got to assign a certain degree, certain degree of credence of what she just says in the moment. I think this is a wonderful question. Why did she do what she did? People will write papers would, on it, like we said. Yeah, we won't get an answer to it. Um, but I'm just interested in like what you what what you think. I mean, I, I for me, I think the same thing that you do. I wish it was different. We could argue, but I think that. I think she was seen, and that, that's why we kept getting shots of her face. Like she was seen, Ken, and she's like, "We're just going to get more of the same if if this thing goes. If I vote the way he wants me to, and he takes over, and he and when she was being honest, I think when she said, "I don't think you're going to be good at it," I think that was what she could summon as a as a reason for what she was thinking. I think she was trying to be honest with him. She was that was what she could come up with, which was, "I'm looking at it." You're not going to be good at this. You're fucking it. You're an idiot. And then like, and I, but I don't, I also think that like, as she processed it, what she was trying to do in that conference room before he fucking accosted her, she was probably also thinking, well, this isn't quite so bad for me. Probably exactly what you said earlier. Tom planted that seed, which was, Hey, maybe you can get behind this because it might not be so bad for you if I'm the CEO and all of it sort of steamrolled and she made the call. But I, I do think it was started by Kendall's behavior. Mm-hmm. Then we yeah. see Kendall walking in the park with Colin walking slowly behind him. Kendall goes sits on a bench looking out into the water. End of series. Hey Spencer, did you know they filmed an alternate scene here? I saw the Jeremy Strong interview on this subject. Yeah, he tried to jump in, but Colin stops him. That's the alternate take, but they didn't put it in. Um, so that gives you kind of an idea of what the writers were thinking that Kendall was suicidal in this moment. Well, no, well Jeremy Strong said he ad libbed that. He said he, he claimed that he was just like you know method in character just tried to jump in the river and that met it, it not in character but just trying to save this weird dude's ass the actor who plays colin went and grabbed him oh, that, oh that's, that's at least what he claimed in the interview oh okay that's cool that's uh that's a, that's i i didn't catch all that so uh so he 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 being method just went with it and colin the actor was like ah see you can tell why these people get so annoyed with him on set they're like oh you just have God. to run with him yeah what the hell are you doing you're gonna jump over into the hudson here <laughs> I, was, I was joking with my girlfriend that after having to endure this method guy that some of them are very clearly annoyed about throughout all of this if this was the last scene they filmed i'm sure that the team are just going do we just let him go? We got all yeah, the cake we need. I well, they still had to, they still had to, uh, they still had to make a meal fit for a king. So I, I guess they had, to, they had to save him. It messes my theory, but if that was like the last scene they filmed, I'm sure there's a certain motivation of maybe we just let him go in the river. We don't need any more footage. I love the last the the last of the of the series because as much as this was a story about the family, I always felt like the story the Kindle was the, the primary point of emphasis of the plot if that makes sense like i felt like there was a little bit more emphasis on him what was going on with him his decisions than necessarily the rest of the family so to end with him is really great i think he also ends exactly where he deserves to end because he never learned the lesson 
that we all wanted him to learn, which was to keep a modicum of fucking humility when things start going your way. And he couldn't do it. We start the very start of the series. He thinks he's going to take over and he has zero humility as he enters that building. He's listening to rap. He's mistreating his driver. He's acting like an asshole. Four seasons later, he did not learn that lesson. And because of that, he didn't get what he wanted. And I think that's exactly where he deserved to be. I also would have done exactly what Shiv did, probably for a bit of a different reason than what the character did. Like, I, I honestly think what you think, which is that she was, she was responding to Kendall's behavior. But my personal opinion is like, her husband's going to take over as CEO, like, going to make him happy and the chance of saving that marriage when he's like happy with his position, maybe a little bit better. She's about to have a kid with the guy. She's going to get billions of dollars in a check. So I, I give Shiv no, I give Shiv no shade for her decision here, but I love the way the series ended up that it's, it's a broken Kindle having not learned the primary lesson he needed to learn in the series alone without the thing he covets the most. But I think of the three, only Roman can be even vaguely said to be vaguely, I think argued to said, got what he wanted. These elite. Shiv did not want, this was not what Shiv planned, to be a second banana to Tom, to just be, you know, a married woman at home with not any basis of independent power. She could get it, theoretically, but not attached to the company or not attached to the name the way she always aspired to. You know, Matson's not going to let her have any, any kind of role in this company going forward. Kendall, on the other hand, do you think there's any scenario by which Kendall rebuilds his life after this? I think Kendall, Kendall, is, it, either, Kendall is either the type of guy who can kill himself or he's the type of guy who isn't. I I, mean, it's, I think there are people who can do that and people who can't. And he either he's in the state where if he can do it, he's going to do it. So he either kills himself or he's the type of guy who kind of can't go through with that. And he will live unhappy. Um, and I know I don't think he makes the hundred. I don't think he I think he is unhappy. He probably gets back into drugs. He probably spirals. I don't think he ever speaks to ship again. I think that that is gone. I think that's. That ship has sailed. I don't think he'll ever speak to her again. Um, and he'll probably live, if he doesn't kill himself, he'll live a shortened life after that. What do you think? Because yeah. I saw some people trying to say, well, you know, maybe he'll pull a Connor or maybe he'll do a human and just, you know, buy some land and be alone and just kind of be miserable in that. And it's like, no, nah, I don't see it. I see this guy spiraling. I, I, I don't see a, a quiet retirement attached to him. I don't, I don't, doesn't seem to be as in character here. I don't see him rebuilding. I don't see him reestablishing relations. His entire world was built around this, and I don't think he has a healthy means of operating around that. I think he'll be in the meth trailer. I think Rome will come to get him, and he will not leave with Rome this time. He will stay in the meth trailer. It's not going to end well for Kendall, and that they've set it up that way, and that, that just sucks, but that's the way it is. I'm with um, you. Okay, best line of the episode. Let's do the line of succession. All right, I've got some uh, some lists here. Oh, this is a hard one, dude. Some, heavy is the head that wears the crown. This is a hard one to decide uh, for me. Well, God Emperor, your last decree, your last opportunity before we maybe, you know, do the best of the entire show. But in moment, in episode, your last opportunity to christen the best line before us. Here we go. It's fucking tough. Uh, Shiv, he is, very, he is very plausible corporate matter, but he's also a highly interchangeable modular part, and I would say that to his face. Uh... This is uh, separate feelings aside. Tom will honestly suck the biggest dick in the room. That's just my assessment. And then Madsen, love is in the air. You know, I guess I thought it might be worth raising. Uh, there, are there any positives about the nightmare we've shared? A lot of ones from Shiv here at the start. Um, another one. Uh, look, I, I know we've said some things. 
I know we've said the worst things, but I think I've always just been scared in relationships of, you know, the underneath, which I think is honest. This is something, something that Tom told her, you know, what the worst thing a person thinks. But we know. Once you've said and done the worst things, you're kind of free. So my question is, are you interested in a real relationship? And Tom, honest to God, I don't know. I'd shiv, I just, I just don't know. Uh, let's see here. Shiv again, Jesus. All right, well, I don't know what to say, because you, you fucking grabbed the crown, the two of you. Dad died, and you fucking grabbed the crown and pushed me out, so I don't know why I'm the cunt here. And then from Kindle, cunt is as cunt does. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we all, get, me? we all get told that as a kid. I have heard that many a time, yes. Uh, and on a hang level, this is from uh, Madsen, who would you say you are? Tom, who am I? Um, that's a good one. I'm a grinder. I grind because I worry. I worry all night about everything. All the uh, threats to me and to my, um, to my division and my physical body. And I, I have an excess of, vi- of vigilance. And I think I have a very, very high tolerance for pain and physical discomfort. Tom, you're spitting straight facts about yourself and it gets you a job before the episode's over. Uh, Matson, it's going to get nasty, so I need a pain sponge when I'm under the hood. I'm doing what I love, you know? Pain sponge. I'm going to use that one going forward. Uh... Mm. Uh, Kendall, he, he fucking promised it to me. Promised. When I was seven, he set me down at the candy kitchen in, in Bridgingham, and he fucking Ugh. promised it to me. Seven years old. Like, can you imagine? Tough. Even Tough Shiv didn't like that one. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> earlier, early one from Tom. You don't like to fail a test, do you, Shiv? Or Shivan? Uh, let's see here. Uh, yeah. And then... This be from this be a, a Roman and Kindle back together. Yeah, he sent it to me last. Roman, do you even want it? Because at the funeral, like, you're not that guy. The entire thing that follows thereafter. Uh, this be Shiv and Roman talking. Okay, well, I hate him, but I fear you. He would be unbearable, and you would be a disaster. He'd, it'll be terrible, Roman. It will, but I don't know. I can sort of unfortunately see it. Uh, same with them again. What do you think Dad actually wanted to give it? Who do you think Dad actually wanted to give it to? I don't think Dad gave a fuck about anything more than putting one foot in front of the other. Yeah, I don't think he wanted to give it to any of us. Finally, they're admitting it. Uh, just for the happiness it gave me. Meal fit for a king. Uh, and followed up by "Don't go down on Peter's special cheese." Uh, from. Uh, several quick ones here, but uh, from Tom, yeah, Shiv, you should probably know it's me. Kindle to a Roman, it could have been you. Um, Kindle, I'm like a cog built to fit only one machine. Like, if you don't let me do this, I mean, it's the one thing I know how to do. Shiv, you can't be CEO, you can't because you killed someone. Jesus Christ. Uh, Roman from a little bit earlier, fucked by the dry cleaner, wow. Kindle, yelling it out, I'm the eldest boy. Let's see here. Uh, Kendall. Uh, Roman. Well, I mean, she's the bloodline. That whole line you did is I'll, I'll repeat it here because it's horrible. Uh, Roman. Ooh. Yeah. Hey, we are bullshit. We are bullshit. You are bullshit. You're fucking bullshit, man. I'm fucking bullshit. She's bullshit. It's all fucking nothing, man. I'm telling you this because I know it, okay? We're nothing. Uh, and then last one because it puts a smile on my face. You fucked it, man. Quad man. Matson hates you. Wants a clean out. You are a fucking piece of shit. But I got you. I got just enough capital. I got you. 
I present to you, God Emperor, my various nominations for best line of the last episode ever of Succession. Really tough decision here before me. It's God Emperor of the Line of Succession segment, but I will today award best line of the episode to... Hey, we are bullshit. You are bullshit. You are fucking bullshit. I am bullshit. She's bullshit. It's all fucking nothing. I'm telling you this because I know it. Okay? We're nothing. Okay? Okay. Because I think you called it perfectly. I just When you call it perfectly, all I can do is repeat you. That's the writers talking to us. Telling us that they were fighting over a kingdom that they were overvaluing to begin with. Mm-hmm. And that they, to Logan's seminal line, they might not be serious people. You know, these are, we aren't dealing, we aren't dealing with the best of the best. Again, so, how is that not going to uh, win best line of the show? <laughs> it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful sum up of where I think the, the writers want to leave us. And so I really liked it. That's best line of the episode. Let's award for the final time, Roy of the episode and loser of the episode. Pretty simple, pretty straightforward. Loser, uh, and- Roy, loser of the episode is Kendall. Dear God, he may not survive outside of the next week. And Roy, winner of the episode, is Tom. Tom has claimed the Roy mantle where no one else could. Pretty simple. Yeah. I yeah. don't think we have to talk too much about that. That's that's clearly I, what that is. How how would you rank further from here? Just to like address all of the Roys one last time. Yeah. Um, I would say that the second... The main Roys. Main Roys. I'd say that the, the loser, the main loser, is Kendall. Second to him is Shiv. Mm-hmm. Maybe above that would be Greg. Above that would be Roman and then Tom. And I, I put Roman that high because he, we leave him with a smile on his face. I think he's happy that he got a payout. I think he's happy that he's done with the whole thing. Um, I don't think, I think when, when Kendall says he can't say it, I think the thing that Roman couldn't say to Kendall is that he, and he couldn't say to himself, is that he doesn't want anything to do with Waystar Royco. Yeah. That he just wants to be out of this damn rat race that he's been stuck in for all these years. That's really the unsaid thing. It's not that he doesn't want to be CEO. I said he doesn't want anything to do with the company. He wants to be completely away from it. And I do think there's a hope for him and Jerry. Possibly. I would say that of all of them, I think Roman could most happily retreat into his billions. Anyway. Uh, I think I think my job here is done. I've been working for three hours. That's pretty good pay. It's not great. It's not Greg pay. It's pretty good pay. And yeah. I'd like to hear your relationship advice to the episode. The fact that you're aspiring to Greg pay, sir, aim higher, please. The man is begging in the street between episodes. He is drinking things that aren't drinks. He is dancing with old men for money. See, see, this is this is fucked up because you don't have to deal with the fans who write in and go that asshole's talking about making so much money that you see. <laughs> you get to make the sarcastic jo- fun. You get to make the sarcastic joke and move right away, and I get to deal with the fans who write in who misunderstand you. Uh, please, <laughs> you and your Greg money, you can handle that kind of thing. Appreciate you. Thank you very much. Oh God, I've got it. You know how many Facebook messages I'm have to send to say he was being sarcastic. Nope, nope, nope. Totally serious. Absolutely, hundred percent. Higher way. Please send all of your messages directly to discuss how serious I was on this subject. Totally. Absolutely. He agrees with everything I'm saying. Facebook.com slash talks. Twitter.com slash talks. We're going, we're going late. It's been long. It's been so much fun throughout all of this. But one thing I just want to emphasize here, because I think the show very appropriately leaves it unsaid, is that all of these characters, with all of their relationships, with all of their difficulties, with all of their sense of failing, 
are losing by earning several billion dollars. From their perspective, their lives are unfulfilled, their hopes are dashed, their dreams are deferred. Any sense of self is shattered in some of their cases by, begin, by given, being given the tools to make whatever they want for themselves, but they don't have an idea of how to do that. Their entire sense of self has been built around playing with somebody else's tools because they've never pondered any scenario other than that. They've never worked out any alternatives in their life. They've never imagined a world after or a different way of being than what they've built their entire life to be. And it was entirely, as I think was described previously, it was, put, put, it was living in a world that was a playground someone else built for you. They are being given the resources to make whatever decision they want with their lives and they're deeming that a failure because they've never actually taken the alternative, taken the opportunity to consider alternatives in their lives, to ponder what they really want, to ponder what else they can do. Every aspect of their life has been built and dedicated to someone else's story and narrative they've set for them. I don't mean the writers. I mean the omnipresent effect of Logan on their lives. These guys should see, just as Roma does at the end of this episode, that they are free in a way they've never been before. They can do whatever ever their heart desires with respect to their lives but they are still trapped in to the omnipresent toxic influence of their father there upon them and i think the show is just so delightfully dialing that up to 11 is that everyone no matter the circumstances they have options they have other choices they have decisions they could make hard and difficult and torturous though they may be in a lot of different circumstances these guys are we're all in the same mindset of oh my god they've failed oh my god they've lost Oh, so sad for them when their consolation prize is dialed up to such an 11 that it's beyond my even ability to comprehend. I think the show is doing a wonderful message there about just the subject of the narrative that you pick for yourself and your ability to see beyond that. And these characters can't because their entire lives have been built around the subject of it, despite they have, the fact they have every opportunity to paint whatever future they want for them. And that's just tragedy done fun. There you go. Last time for your mind. And Spencer's relationship advice of the episode. That's the last one we'll do, Spencer. We're wrapping up our final episode of Line of Succession. Anything you want to say? Parting shots for the crowd. Well, last relationship and thing to say. I did not expect going into this season or even this show that Tom and Shiv's relationship would possibly be the mo- one of the most important things of everything else that we see. Wasn't yeah, expecting that. Wasn't wasn't expecting that Lee would be right, and I'm still recoiling at that idea. I, well, I, clearly because you've you know, you've already projected that they won't make it, so therefore you no, were kind of right. You were kind of right anyway. Head anyway, head cannon. So you're, it didn't matter, right? You were already. Right. I'm All picking right. my own narrative, sir. Anything else you want to say before we wrap up? It's been a great show, man. This is one of the first shows that we did on Mangum Talks. We've been handling, the, we've been covering this now for years, and it has just been a blast to watch it with you. It's been a blast to talk about it with you. It's been an utter delight to have fans listen to us yammering for hours on end on this subject matter and seemingly enjoy it and comment on it. It's bliss. It always encouraged me to want to do more stuff with you and do more stuff for the fan base. And it just makes it an absolute pleasure that the show itself proved such a masterful work by the end. Completely agree. We are, the next show that we are doing is Severance. The next show we will be doing is we are reviewing the Apple Plus show Severance, which I have talked on multiple podcast streams about how good it is. Spitzer has not watched it yet. I still know nothing about it beyond what you've told me. Don't spoil it for him because he will be watching it week by week trying to unpack exactly what in the high fuck is going on in that show, which is going to be an awful lot of fun to watch him do. 
uh, you don't have to worry about finding that podcast because we are going to cross list the severance review pod on this podcast uh, stream, right? So if you are mm-hmm. subscribed to this podcast, you will see the first episode of our severance coverage pop up in your uh, in your subscribed podcast. And you'll be able to find it that way. As far as this podcast, um, I appreciate you doing it with me, uh, Spencer, because I think you were a little hesitant when we started. And it's been a lot of fun to watch you watch the show. Um, I appreciate all the, the fan, you know, this, this podcast has spiked in popularity for us. So a lot more people are listening now than they ever have. And we really appreciate that. We hope you continue to follow us to other stuff that we do because we will continue to review television, review stuff that we think is worthy of more conversation, of talking, of joking about, laughing about. You can always find that stuff at mangumtalks.com. You can check out our socials at facebook.com slash mangumtalks, twitter.com slash mangumtalks. You can find all of our stuff. We'll continue to do all this. I tell you, it's been a, it's been a glorious ride following succession. Um, I got a great co-host. I'm not perfect. I, I mess up sometimes, but my co-host is darn near perfect. You're great at this point. I enjoy doing this with you. Glad you think I mean so. That, I mean that. I do mean that genuinely. I think you're really great at this and I enjoy doing it with you. And I thank everybody for listening. We will be back with you probably in about two or three weeks to do a complete series wrap up of succession. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the meantime, you will also see. Episode one of our coverage of Severance pop up where Spencer and I will gab about that television show. Thanks again for listening and we will uh, hopefully see you again next time. Bye.